Look at this. Look, look what I got in the mail yesterday. Three t-shirts and a deck of uh, tarot cards. And uh, these three t-shirts, I ordered three different time periods, but they all came on the same day. And of course, this deck of tarot cards, very rare, very interesting. But I think it all started with a t-shirt I didn't buy yet. Um, there's a website called Yamabushi, I think it's called. And uh, it's, these, it's one artist who has these kind of uh, psychedelic collages. And uh, one in particular really struck me a couple years ago when I saw it called Lock and Chase. As you can see, that's the name of this episode. Um, and it, it just has a, a cutout image from an old ad, magazine ad for the uh, Intellivision version of Lock and Chase. So probably from the early, you know, from the early 80s. And um, it's this it's this kind of guy, uh, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's a guy with like this top hat and he has this sort of briefcase and he's running away from the cops. So I think that's the main, sort of a weird anthropomorphized version of the main character. It was just sort of a red ball with a top hat in, uh, in Lock and Chase, the video game. And I always thought that was, an, and, and, and on the artwork it has, it, it, put, it says LSD on the bag. Evil genius number nine, all these things. I may get that T-shirt eventually, but um, yeah. So it, it sort of put Lock and Chase on my radar, which is a game I always had sort of known about. Um, but it's weird because the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version from M Network, which you know was sort of the uh, Mattel Electronics when they were sort of putting their games out on the on the VCS, the Twenty Six Hundred. I don't have any memory of that. I, I, that would have been a game I, I think I would have liked. I mean, it's a sort of Obviously, it's a Pac-Man clone, um, but the VCS version, the 2600 version, is something that I, I, I'm close playing it. Eventually, I got the what, RG35XX, and it's on there. I, I don't think the arcade version's on there. I could put stuff on there, but, you know, um, it's just weird that I didn't remember it. But, yeah, I mean, Lock and Chase is uh, one of those arcade games from the early 80s that feels it, 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 it feels a bit like... Not really uh, super well-known, a bit obscure, but not too obscure. And has had a bunch of versions and has been referenced in a number of ways. So I started to, you know, because of this super pocket concept, I started to, uh, I guess it started before that, but like the idea that Lock and Chase was this special, a special pop culture thing that... uh, you could, and now this is a concept. I'm trying to. How do you, how do you, can you describe this concept? The idea that uh, finding uh, an, a, a pop culture thing uh, from the past that you could sort of obsess on and collect aspects of, as uh, to be kind of cool. It's sort of a hipster kind of concept. So I remember in the past. Um, one such thing that I was thinking of, not like it would be cool if someone collected only R5D4, you know, the um, the red astromech droid from the original Star Wars movie that kind of blows up because Uncle Owen preferred that piece of crap to R2D2 for some reason. Uncle Owen, this R2 unit has a bad motivator. <laughs> well, that's actually the second time this morning I imitated uh, Luke Skywalker's whiny voice. Yeah, I did the uh, central, Overnightscape Central 80s movies t- this morning. 
And in Empire Strikes Back, is I'll never join you. <laughs> yeah. And the classic, of course. But I was going over to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Yeah. But anyway, like R5-D4, right? The red, kind of the red R2-D2. Um, it's one of those things that there's a lot of, there's toys of it and there's different re- representations of it, but it's sort of one small aspect of Star Wars. But if you sort of obsessed on it and collected just R5-D4, that'd be kind of cool. Like if you're, to like to be a collector and collect something very unique, like you're the only person in the world like that cares about it that much, even though, of course, they brought R5-D4 back in a big way in uh, the Obi-Wan TV series. Obi-Wan, was it uh, Obi-Wan? Or, I think it's just called Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan Kenobi, the TV series. Not very good, but it did have R5-D4 in it. But anyway, so I, th- I think Locke and Chase kind of, for me, occupies the uh, the same kind of potential. So I was sort of obsessing on lock and chase stuff um, over the weekend or last week, and I, I had all these tabs open, all these different lock and chase products I could buy, and it was like I don't really want to like really buy any of this stuff, but just the the thought of spending a lot of time and effort becoming a lock and chase collectors, it's like really really a great thought experiment. Because uh, it, it does have that early 80s video game. It's very mysterious. Like, what the hell's going on? It's clearly a cops and robbers kind of thing. Like, the guy with the top hat, but he's like sort of a red ball with a top hat who's stealing stuff. And then all the cops are trying to get him, right? It's a whole thing. But it's all very abstracted. And it's certainly, uh, you know, a Pac, uh, definitely a, a clearly based on Pac-Man. Um, but the mechanic, the locking mechanic is basically, and I hadn't sort of realized it. I, I actually just started playing it a lot more. The idea that um, there's these gates, uh, and the last gate you went through, if you press the button, it'll put a gate up uh, uh, or lock the door. You go through a door, then it'll lock it, right? And you have, and the thing is, you could have one of the cops chase you into like like a like an alleyway. And then close the door behind the cop. And then when you exit the alleyway, you can close the other door and trap the cop in the alleyway. It's sort of like, and then you earn extra points for that. I never knew that about Lock and Chase. Um, but it's sort of the perfect game for this kind of collecting thought experiment. Is that normal to be having thought experiments about collecting? Like, I really don't want to collect this stuff, but just the thought of possibly collecting this stuff is very exciting and interesting. Um so anyway, this all came up because uh, this whole thing started because of the Super Pocket, right? The Super Pocket is this upcoming product, right, that I, I guess I've been seeing ads for and stuff. It's not out yet. It's actually out, what is it, uh, next week I think it comes out. Actually, a week from today maybe, the Super Pocket. And the Super Pocket is a little handheld video game. It looks a little bit like the old Game Boy. You know, it's just it's a vertical format. You have the control, you have the D-pad, you have the buttons, shoulder buttons on the back. And it's uh, the Super Pocket, and it's from this company Evercade, but I know it's like the Evercade is by Blaze Entertainment, but then they started this new company to create the Super Pocket. It's like this super complicated thing, but the whole idea is that Evercade is this concept of a cartridge-based video game system that has a hand... They, they have already had... I've been aware of this. I never bought any of them. There's a handheld version, maybe two handheld versions, and then there's also a version you can just put on your TV 
and it's cartridge-based, and they have cartridges officially licensed of all these different from all these different companies. So you get like Atari arcade games, Atari home video games, Data East, um, Gremlin, like all these different companies. So spanning the world of arcade games, home console video games, and computer computer games, and they're on these cartridges. So the idea is that. You buy the cartridge, and you have all the games on the cartridge sort of hard-coded in. And, you know, I, I already have all those games in my MAME on my computer. You know, it's an emulation, and uh, it's just sort of like... Uh, so I never bought it because it was sort of like, well, why do I need it? I, I It's, you know, whatever. But then the Super Pocket um, is based on the same system. Very small form factor. They're about... $70 each, I guess. And there's two versions, <clears throat> the Capcom and the Taito version, and each of them comes with a bunch of built-in games. There's a Capcom version. Well, let, let me actually read you what they come with. So so you know what I was sort of dealing with. So, so I was sort of really enjoying the idea of uh, choosing one of these. So the idea is like a lot of times a product, they'll if there's just a product that's one product, it's sort of there by itself. But if you Usually, as you'll notice, when when a company makes a product, they make like several different versions or flavors or colors of it. So then instantly you start feeling like, oh, if I was to buy this, I have to choose. And it becomes it, it, it gives us this another layer of context. Right. So if they just released one of these, it wouldn't be as interesting as now there's two. Oh, are you going to buy them both? You're going to choose one. But then also this super pocket takes the uh, Evercade cartridges. So I was thinking if I was going to buy one, I would buy one of the Super Pockets, and we'll, we'll look at the game list in a moment, and then I would just buy one Evercade cartridge, and so it would be this little handheld device that you could always play those games. It would be easy. It would be, you know, you don't need to do any configurations. It's just always there. So I thought the the uh, the process of choosing which one of these uh, units I was going to get, then what cartridge I was going to pair with it. So then you would just have this one object with the set of games that comes with it and then the cartridge and then it would be something that you could have on hand. Um, let, me, let me find the Super Pocket. Super Pocket. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, they started this other company. What's going on with these people? Super Pocket. Yeah, they uh, uh, called Hyper Megatech as the new company. What? Their website is down. Oh, my God. You know, what the hell's wrong with these people? Yeah, their website crashed. Wow, I have to I have to look at it on Amazon. Yeah, so the Capcom version is a blue and yellow color scheme, and uh, the games they have are... Hold on one second. Uh... Yeah, 12, they have 12 games on the Capcom edition. Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting, that's always good. Mega Man, actually the one NES game on here. The rest are arcade versions. But the first Mega Man would be good to have. Uh, 1942 and 1943 and 1944. The Loop Master, those are all those uh, vertically scrolling shooting games taking place during some sort of fictionalized World War II, obviously, during that time period. Um, and also Final Fight. One of those beat 'em ups, uh, Strider, great game, sort of side scrolling, run and jump game. Uh, Wolf of the Battlefield, Mercs, that one I'm not too familiar with. Bionic 
Bionic Commando, a run-and-gun platform game. I've played that. Captain Commando, it's a beat-em-up game. And some of those characters wound up in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, right? And Ghouls and Ghosts, another super classic game that's really hard, and I always get frustrated playing Ghouls and Ghosts. Forgotten Worlds, these these uh, sort of a cyberpunk uh, shooting game where these people are flying through the air, and that's about it. So some good games there, you know. Um, no, $60. They're only $60. That's the idea. They're not 70 They're 60 Um. Then you have the Taito version, right? Taito version, now this one has 17 games, so this is a bit more. <coughs> so you have to choose. This one is a, sort of a you know, blue-green and black. I do prefer this color scheme to the other one. So uh, here's the list of games. Space Invaders, of course. And then also Space Invaders 91. So you get two, the original Space Invaders and sort of that... Uh, that newer version, Bubble Bobble, a classic game, uh, Operation Wolf, a shooting game, uh, Rastan, I, I was just talking about Rygar the other day, it's very similar to Rastan, it's a good game, New Zealand Story, Kadash, uh, Chack and Pop, Don, Doko Don, S- some of these are lesser known games, Elevator Action, of course, one of my favorite uh, classic arcade games, great game where you go down these elevators and you shoot everyone and go, de- go into some doors, <laughs> Fairyland Story, Football Champ, Growl, Volfeed, Kiki Kaikai, uh, The Legend of Cage, Li- and Liquid Kids. I also thought Liquid Kids, these weird little creatures that shoot liquid at the enemies or something. But anyway, I, I, I looking at those, I'm like, you know, I really think that I'm going to get the Taito one. There's a great variety of games on there. It's really cool. Only 60 bucks. What do you want? So then I started to look at the Evercade cartridges to pair with this. Evercade, of course, uh, there's a bunch of them. Let me see if I can find that website. And some of them have been discontinued, so it's sort of like uh, you might almost want to get that because it's like uh, the, like the Atari Arcade one. And all the Atari ones have been discontinued, but it's, since it's a physical cartridge, you could still buy it. Uh, let's see. Cartridge. Yeah. Yeah, they have like the Atari Lynx, some newer games. Namco, like the Namco collections are usually just the NES versions. Um, so I went through every single one. There's like 30 of these different cartridges. And I finally, of course, I came upon the Data East one, which has Lock and Chase on it. And I'm like, yes. So picking up on, on my uh, concept of, um, you know, wanting to be a, be a Lock and Chase collector, <laughs> which... Is a bit insane, but uh, you know, like the idea that I would have sort of a this new cart, somewhat a cartridge version of Lock and Chase. I'm like, yes, all right. So I'm going to pair those up. This is only twenty five dollars, so it's like a uh, eighty five bucks for the two the two items, and then it just becomes this one little entertainment device. And by the way, the other games on the Data East cartridge is called Data East Arcade 1. Burger Time, of course, another classic arcade game, which apparently Lock and Chase runs on the Burger Time uh, a circuit board. Burger Time, of course, Peter Pepper uh, making all those hamburgers on those platforms, uh, being attacked by pickles and hot dogs and things. You know the game. And eggs, fried eggs. <laughs> Burger Time. Definitely not a vegan video game. Very, very carnivorous video game. <laughs> but uh, I can imagine they're veggie burgers, though, I suppose. Bad Dudes, ver- ver- Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. 
which I have on the, the one I finally got. Um, Gate of Doom and its sequel, Wizard Fire. They're kind of three-quarters perspective uh, gauntlet clones. I played a little bit of that on, on MAME. Breakthrough, where you have this military vehicle driving through canyons and stuff. Tumble Pop, kind of a uh, um, bubble bobble kind of clone kind of thing. Darwin 4078 is a shooting game. Sly Spy is a, a run, and, run and gun game. James Bond kind of related. Uh, Chain Reaction, and this is actually very interesting because this led to all sorts of other stuff. And then, of course, Lock and Chase is on there. So I had planned on buying these, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. I couldn't decide. I, I'm like, I really don't need it. Why would I buy this? I'm just, it's going to just sit on a shelf. I'm never going to use it. But still, it would be cool to have. It's just a cool idea. Um, so I just sort of left those tabs open of those Amazon pages to buy it. Again, it's you know, whatever, $80, $85. I know it's, it sounds like a lot of money, and I sort of judge money more on from previous decades. I know it's not as much as it was in the past. Um, but I was like uh, on the fence, I think, about buying it. But I was so, but while I was sort of obsessing on this, it's kind of pleasurable to sort of think about it. Should I get it? Should I not get it? Well, of course, in this society, we're all trained to derive pleasure from shopping. <laughs> So we can all be better little consumers, yes. Uh, but the game Chain Reaction... Um, so Chain Reaction, I uh, I found it on my MAME and I, I started playing it. And it's this little jester guy with like the three-coned or two-coned cap um, at the bottom of the screen. And so it's a lot like a bunch of puzzle games. All the sort of derived at some level from Tetris. But there's another genre where you're at the bottom of the screen and there's puzzle elements above you, um, such as uh, um, Puzzle Bobble, which is the Bubble Bobble spinoff, where right the little lizard guys are shooting bubbles up at the screen. And the uh, if, you have, if, if you shoot a yellow bubble at a bunch of yellow ones, if you get three or four or whatever the number is, it'll blow them up. So Chain Reaction is, from Data East, is kind of in the similar vein there's a bunch of things above you and the little jester can pull them down and then move around and shoot them back up and the idea is you want to um, get three or more vertically and then all the ones that are connected to that will um, will like disappear and then you could have these chain reactions and stuff Anyway, when it comes to uh, this game, it, I found out this game, Chain Reaction, was actually also known as Magical Drop, I believe. And that led to the Magical Drop series, two of which, uh, Magical Drop 2 and Magical Drop 3, were on the Neo Geo platform. And I did not know that these games kept being released. In fact, this year, back in June of 2023, um, Magical Drop 6 came out. I had, didn't even know that this series was still going, and... Um, there was uh, their first round of free DLC came out just a few days ago, in fact, on November 2nd. Today's November 7th. So uh, I did get that. It was on sale on Steam. Um, uh, it's a great game, Magical Drop. It's a whole thing. They have these characters based on tarot cards. Again, more tarot card stuff, more synchronicities. Um, so yeah, that little uh, Jester character, that'll be that'll be a connection a little bit later. Um Anyway, just to complete the thought about what's going on here, as I was researching the Super Pocket, 
there was a um, a post on Reddit where this guy's like, "Listen, the super pocket is trash. For the same price, I can uh, my my uh, um, Ambernick uh, RG thirty five XX, you know, can do the same th- can do a thousand times more for the same price." So that got me interested in this, and I was sort of tangentially aware of all of these retro gaming handhelds that are out there, but they've made a lot of uh, advances in in recent years. And this thing, which was very similar in form factor to the Super Pocket, and I think it was about seventy something dollars as opposed to sixty, um, but it can play thousands or tens of thousands of different games. In fact, it's being sold from China, so. All of these uh, systems, they ship with an uh, an SD card full of of games in sort of uh, blatant disregard to any sort of licensing requirements. Though, as far as I know, they may have licensed all of these things themselves, though it doesn't seem like they actually licensed all these games. But um, it's not my job as the person buying it to uh, investigate whether they, they included the games through proper channels or not. Uh, so you can buy this Super Pocket again, seventy something bucks off. Um, this this Anbernic has A N B E R N I C. They have tons of different uh, little consoles. I mean, the latest one was a bit more expensive, a bit more advanced. But I really gravitated towards the RG thirty five XX as um, it kind of seemed to be the right price, and um, it has just one D pad. It doesn't have the two uh, little you know joysticks. This one actually uh, is only meant to go up to PS1 emulation, whereas the other ones do PS2, Dreamcast, etc. But I'm not so interested in that. But I just thought it was cool. And you, when you buy it, you get 6,800 games included on the if you buy the thing. So anyway, so I'm like, listen, I I, I can't really uh, justify buying that Super Pocket, considering I can get this, and I have it here in my hands right now. I just got it yesterday. Um, this uh, I have the Super Pocket. No, it's the, uh, an, the the this is the Ann Bernick RG thirty five XX. I have it right here, and uh, it's really quite an amazing little device. But of course, all sorts of configuration issues and customization and everything else. But this is in the clear purple plastic, very much reminiscent of. Ooh, what, what was I playing? Oh wow, I was playing a Pico version of uh, Star Wars uh, arcade. Let me go back to the menu here. Come on. Oh, I forgot. This one is kind of <laughs> hard to go back to the menu. But anyway, yeah. So this comes with a chip, but everyone online says what you should. the first step is you should get rid of the micro SD card they sent you and get a new one and put new games on it. Though what's built in is an interesting set. Um, I actually... Started looking into it, buying an SD card and downloading the games. But then you can just people just sell them on eBay specifically for this device. Loaded the one I I bought, I didn't get it yet. It has ten thousand games on it. Um, I know this is all unnecessary. I shouldn't be obsessing on such things, but it's kind of fun to obsess on things. Anyway, let's see. So let's go to the Atari section here, which is the twenty six hundred, and and there and they have the version of Lock and Chase in here. So you can play some Lock and Chase. A lot of games in here. Ooh, even Lockjaw, the uh, super obscure Loch Ness monster game. Here, here's Lock and Chase for the 2600. 
What do I have? A game in progress? Wow. I, I, I swear I do not remember this from the time. I do not remember this particular... I don't remember this particular game. I, 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 I really... All right, I'll start a new game here. I strongly would rem I, I really remember everything about my video games of my youth, but this one... I don't know why this is... doesn't... I don't have any memory of this. And it's not a bad game. It's a good game, you know? Very rudimentary graphics. In fact, there's a... One of the aspects of um, Lock and Chase is that there's been all these homebrew versions that someone actually made a version for the 2600 in later days um, that is much better, much much closer to the arcade version. And we'll take a look at that later as, as we obsess on Lock and Chase. Yeah, this is interesting, though, the 2600. I don't, I don't think they have the other version. I mean, there's a Game Boy version, the arcade version, the... There's a bunch of different versions. The Intellivision version. They don't even have Intellivision on here for some reason. Um, but yeah, this is kind of a beautiful device. And I do have my, my Game Boy Color with the same uh, color scheme, so we'll have to compare those eventually. <laughs> anyway, lock and chase, okay? A lot of stuff going on. So I have the... Uh, Neo Geo version of a Magical Drop 3 here. It's funny because they use is Signs of the Zodiac, but then also tarot cards. Magical Drop 3, 1997. And as I said, version 6 is out now. Yeah, that little jester character. Let me let me let me play this. This is a beautiful I mean this device is really beautiful screen. And uh play all these games. What character do I like? See, yeah, it's it's more tarot cards. Death, Devil, Star, Sun. I like Star. <clears throat> so yeah, the game. Basically, you just yeah, you're pulling down little orbs and you're shooting them back up and fighting the devil. Oh, that wasn't good. Red. There's some kind of annoying voice, like, hello, what is that saying? Kind of reminds me, <laughs> in Mr. Mr. Driller, that annoying voice, lucky. Is that just the star that says it like that? It's a good game, though. But this little character with, you know, like a jester with the two-cone cap, um, <laughs> came up synchronistically in another way, Okay. So anyway, uh, over uh, on Sunday we did uh, the exit ramp. It was a great exit ramp, uh, really great stuff. It was a potato encounters, right? Um, and the name came from uh, <coughs> really just um, thinking about weird Japanese video game names in the shower. As we all do, we all take a shower and think about weird Japanese video game names. No, <laughs> some of us do. Anyway, uh, I was thinking like. Um, with the word potato, like, 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 I think first the first concept was like, uh, potato champ, <coughs> potato champion. Then I then I came up with potato encounters, and um, and then I was going to add another word. And the last in my notes, the last thing I had was uh, potato encounters Kirby, but there is a video game character named Kirby K A R B Y, <coughs> but this would be C U R B E Y, potato encounters Kirby. But that didn't make much of a title for anything. Uh, 
So when I was setting up the excerpt ramp, I just needed a title, and I thought of Potato Encounters. I'm like, that might actually work. At first, it was just my work-in-progress title. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And it was also, I didn't even mention it on the excerpt ramp. It was the 50th episode of the excerpt ramp. Can you imagine? 50 episodes of the excerpt ramp already? It's wild. It started off as a, you know, that's the group show on Zoom that I started uh, uh, in 2020 because uh, that that was the zeitgeist of the times, right? Zeitgeist. See, there's another connection there. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Uh, the zeitgeist of the time was, uh, you know, early days of pandemic. Everyone was using a Zoom to have these video meetings. I think I started off on Google Meetings, but switched to Zoom eventually. I'm still paying my monthly Zoom fee for, for the exit ramp. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was doing it almost like every week or but eventually it trailed off to be once a month, and I've, I've continued to do it. And it's amazing. The turnout has been great every time. <coughs> and uh, it feels kind of random, but we actually were talking about potatoes and our encounters with potatoes, different kinds of potatoes. And uh, Jefferson even bought some uh, French fries at uh, Five Guys at the King of Prussia Mall. It was amazing. I ate a single potato chip, at least to have some potatoes on the Potato Encounters episode. <coughs> but anyway... Joe Gibson uh, mentioned uh, a show he'd been watching on YouTube called Hell of a Boss. I need to look this up because I didn't look this up, but then there was another direction that brought me back to it. So Hell of a Boss is a a video series created by, uh, is it Gooseworks or what's what's the name of this thing? Uh... I've never seen it, but it's part of this this company that makes these video series on YouTube. <laughs> I had never heard of it. Uh, let's see. <coughs> yeah, it, but it's this uh, individual named Gooseworks is involved with it, so it's related to this other show that Gooseworks is very involved with. This is all very confusing, but. Um, the new, the other show I I, I got on a um, you know suggested for me to watch it. It's called the Amazing Digital Circus, the pilot, right? The Amazing Digital Circus. Let me just see, and I, and and it's by the same people that made uh, um, Hell of a Boss. So I watched the Amazing Digital Circus, the pilot, and um, it has. A character that looks exactly like the character from Magical Drop series. A little um, jester character with a two-cone cap. It, uh, very, very similar. And it makes sense because the characters in The Amazing Digital Circus are, are meant to sort of evoke uh, previously existing digital characters, such as the, the rabbit guy is, is, is based on uh, Max from the Sam and Max series. Um, and there's some other connections, too. Anyway, uh, but yeah, that was... And they also were mentioning that the character looks similar to, to Knights from the Knights series by Sega, which is true, but I mean, the actual Knights character is taller with a two-cone cap. Um, but the char- I mean, this character called Pomni is uh, very, very similar to the, the magical drop uh, jester that throws the balls up and down. Weird connections. And then there was another show related to them. I'm trying to figure this out. It was like a puppet show that my friend Brian was showing us. Um, what is the name of this company? Glitch? Glitch is one of the... Com- um, 
Glitch. Animation. Glitch. The D Amazing Digital Circus. What was the other one that they were saying? Um, he was showing us this. <coughs> I think it was part of the same company? Hold on a second. Yeah, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Is this is this the same group? I don't know. I'm getting all confused now. I thought so, on one of the videos I watched, they, they drew a connection between the two. Or maybe it's just a similar style where it's sort of a takeoff on children's television, but it's actually really very dark and mysterious. Now I'm getting all confused at the connections between these things. But Gooseworks definitely is, is involved with Hell of a Boss and then also this uh, digital circus thing. So I just thought it was really weird that... Um, the, almost like the same day I get back into this I mean I've played Magical Drop before but I get really into Magical Drop with that specific character uh, then I get this suggestion to watch this video completely disconnected theoretically with a sim very similar character and then Joe Gibson mentioned another series that the same guy worked on like all these weird synchronicities you know but anyway this uh, this show is it called The Amazing Digital Circus let just see um, yeah, I guess it's not on a TV network. It's just on, on YouTube, and it came out three weeks ago. And it kind of is uh, done in the style of a 1990s like CD-ROM game in this circus, but the different characters are actually, like, it seems to be like people trapped in some sort of weird VR thing. And, I mean, I thought it was okay. I feel like I've seen similar things many times, but... It was well done, I suppose. Uh, it has this real creepy aspect, some liminal stuff, back room kind of stuff. And, but yeah, that character is very similar to the, the Magical Drop character. Does that Magical Drop character have a name? It's probably the Fool, right? Because um, <clears throat> it's based on tarot cards. Let's see. What do they say? Black Perot? Is that his name? Black Perot? Like a Perot is like a clown, right? Hmm. That's weird. No. That's an evil jester like demon. Acts as a game's secret boss. Alright, so who's the uh the little clown? Is it just they just call it the little clown at the bottom. <laughs> but can you be the fool in the game? I I don't know. No, there is a separate fool, a little man wearing a purple robe. He is always seen carrying a cat with him, which happens to share the same mannerisms as him. In the sequel, it is revealed it, in his ending that there are, in fact, two fools, and they are brothers. What? Because the Rider-Waite deck has a... Rider-Waite-Coleman, if you prefer, has a, a little dog, not a little cat. I'm getting all confused. This is naturally rather confusing, this stuff. Yeah, this amazing digital circus, it seems like... I don't know. It has 77 million views, so. And, but they need. They said they need financing. They can't do any more episodes, and they're selling toys of the various characters and stuff. Here's the, here it is. See, it's like it's meant to seem all innocent, but then it gets evil. You know, liminal, digital glitching, VR, stuck in a virtual universe, creepy kind of stuff. And of course, whenever there's any TV show, movie, cartoon about people being trapped in a virtual universe, of course it sort of stimulates our own deep sense of fear that we are, in fact, 
living in a simulation and what the heck is this situation because these characters don't know how they got there they just know that they shouldn't be um <clears throat> i think about that all the time i mean whether or not i'm currently in a simulation is pretty much something i think about at some level every day my conclusion is that of course i don't know but if i had to guess i would say yes i'm living in some kind of a generated simulation uh, let's not say computer generated because uh what was the thought I had last week? Yeah, this is kind of an interesting uh, construct. What would you call it? Let's call it a frivol. What should we call this frivol? This is just my frivol is my term for an idea that can be completed just by uh, describing it, and then that's the final product. Kind of like a motion picture, you have to actually make a movie and release it in theaters and stuff for it to be fulfilled or manifest. But a frivol can be manifest by just describing it. Um, this would be the frivol. What to call this one, though? Um, let me think of a good name for this. All right, I just came up with lowercase gods. You know, it's a good name. Lower. I'm, I wonder if any. I'm sure someone else used it, but it doesn't really matter. Lowercase gods. That's that's like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just lowercase gods are gods that are. Not the god in some monotheistic religions, but gods like in, you know, like Roman mythology, etc. Those are lowercase gods, lowercase g gods. <laughs> so god is a, a type of humanoid being, you know, more powerful than humans, clearly, but not the ultimate power in the universe. So anyway, this theory is that um, there are these beings which we think of as gods, you know, like Thor and Loki and Odin and all the ones in that Hades video game, in, including Eurydice, who I had that weird vision about the other last week, uh, who was a nymph, a godlike being who got killed after being bitten by a snake. What good is it being a godlike being if you can die of snake venom? Now get out of here. Some of this stuff doesn't make sense. This is mythology. Does it supposed to make sense? But anyway, the idea was that... Um, these lowercase g gods um, exist in a world similar to this one, but of course they're immortal and have greater powers and things, but there does exist these, what is a, a similar to a virtual reality, a computer VR system, but it was, uh, it was uh, designed and created by beings that were vastly superior to these lowercase g gods, right? So these lowercase g gods sort of have access to these worlds created inside these simulations, but they don't really, like, they can interact with it, but they don't really know the workings of it because the beings that created the system are beyond them, right? So it's kind of, so it would be the story of how these uh, lowercase g gods, um, <clears throat> their interactions with this kind of system, which to call it a computer system would be, it's a something system of which we would use computers to understand it through analogy, right? But it's not like it's a system designed by vastly superior life forms where the lowercase g gods are, have, don't have uh, necessarily <clears throat> any ways to contact these beings that created these systems, but yet they're still able to interact with them. In some way, the uh, lowercase g gods would enter into the system in whatever fashion you imagine, putting on a headset, uh, plugging something into their head, sitting in a 
you know, sort of a pod that sort of attaches electrodes to your head. So you go into whatever method. They would use some kind of method. Though for them, probably, they would. the idea is that the lowercase g gods would have fully formed psychic powers, and they could probably use their psychic abilities to sort of just psychically tune into this system, right, as opposed to have any physical inter- um, interface necessary. Psychic, There'd be a psychic interface, right? That makes total sense. A psychic interface for them to enter into this system, and then they would have their own avatars. Like so, like uh, in the past, the idea is that the the humans that are sort of stuck in this simulation, right? These lowercase g gods, they realize since they're outside the simulation that these humans inside are part of the simulation, but they don't know are these humans being. Uh, run by living beings also outside the system. But that that would be the part of this concept of lowercase gods that they actually don't know. They don't know how these human beings are being run. They don't know if they're just, right, if there's a completely inaccessible world with similar godlike beings that are um, running those characters or not. But they sort of have this system, have an interface to this system, and um, they're sort of meant to help, right? The, that's the idea, that they are, um, that the, the people need assistance from the gods, right? And so these godlike beings, uh, they're sort of required to, or they feel that it's, since they don't know if anyone else is doing it, they actually go into the system and help the people kind of like, the gods and spirits in various occult traditions do. But the idea is that it's a virtual reality equivalent thing that they actually don't understand. Does that make any sense? It's just a story. It's just a story. Lowercase gods, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the idea would be that um, since they have the capacity to enter into the system, they could actually... Um, live a full human life in there, technically speaking, rather than doing their normal God duties. But it would probably be not really what what the system is meant to be. But if they were to do that, like I, maybe the story would be about one particular lowercase God who uh, decides to try to hack the system in order to be able to live as a human being, perhaps as a, as, as a vector of uh, uh, investigation to try to figure out where these humans are coming from, where they're minds their consciousness is coming from being that the system is so far much more far advanced that they don't really understand the system but the idea is that maybe by hacking and becoming a human they could kind of learn or try to get information as to where further information about the system that they don't understand that is my frivol thank you i like that frivol that's kind of interesting Anyway, I actually uh, bought something with cash the other day. Yes, can you believe it? Getting a, I got a prescription, and I figured I'd just use cash instead of using a credit card. And I got some uh, coins and change, which is, you know, I don't really use much cash anymore. I was even joking. I'm like, can I do cash here? It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know cash is going to be kind of, they're talking already about it, how we're going to be like a cashless system, all digital money and stuff. But it's going to be tough on the criminal element, though. Um so one of the quarters I got, I've always been fascinated with the quarters, you know, the state quarters, and that's been going for so long. Then they had 
they did all 52 st- 50 states and then read <laughs> it's not 52 states it's 50 it's 52 cards in a deck of cards right and then they do all of the american regions like puerto rico samoa virgin islands yada yada and then uh they finished that one up so that was another couple of years and now they're doing like the famous women series and i guess i got this i just got this quarter it's really cool i'd never seen this one before i kind of out of touch with the quarters but i'm trying to look at this here bessie coleman and it's this woman wearing like flight goggles and there's like a biplane flying that's cool is that like the first biplane on a coin a u.s coin that's so cool bessie coleman it's a cool quarter, especially like the graphic design, like the bottom part. There's like some lines and it's using like a different kind of font. It's very cool. Let me look this up. The Bessie Coleman quarter. What's the, I, I saw a few others. There's, I remember there was a Sally Ride and there's also Wilma Mankiller. I wonder how many other ones there are. This is like, a, you know, it'd be cool to collect them all, but it's hard. Like I always wanted to collect the quarters that I got in change. But I don't really do cash enough now to like get that much quarters. United States Mint.gov. Bessie Coleman. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna try to zoom in on this one. So I, I really couldn't see it very well on uh mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. And it looks like the uh the front is a little different too. Like the the portrait of George Washington looks slightly different than usual. Like his little braid in the back. I, I don't think it has quite as much of a bow on it and stuff. Isn't there a bow on the back of his head? I don't know. All right, Bessie Coleman, 61521. 1921? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's the story with her? I don't know. Let's see. The Bessie Coleman Quarter is the sixth coin of the American Women Quarters program. Bessie Coleman was the first African-American and first Native American woman pilot. She was also the first African-American to earn an international pilot's license. Interesting. (coughs) Uh, The obverse heads depict a portrait of George Washington, originally composed and sculpted by Laura Garden Frazier, to mark George Washington's 200th birthday, a recommended design for the 1932 quarter. Then, then Treasury Secretary Mellon ultimately selected the familiar John Flanagan design. Hmm. So I guess they're bringing back this previous uh, obverse design that was done by a woman for this American Women Quarter series. Let's see what the other women are in this series. Let's see, we have uh, Maya Angelou, okay, a poet. Sally Ride from the space, the space Space woman, Wilma Mankiller, the first woman elected principal chief of the Cherokee Nation, and Nina Otero Warren. Oh, that's cool typography on there. Voto para la mujer. Leader in New Mexico's suffrage movement. And then we have Anna Mae Wong. I think I may have seen this one. The first Chinese-American film star in Hollywood. Okay. Why can't I load this one? This one's not loading. Anyway. And then Bessie Coleman. And then there's a bunch coming up. Edith Kanakaole, a Hawaiian composer. It's just cool getting these weird little quarters in your change. 
Right? I think I, I think uh, the American government website is all is taxed at this point. It's not loading. Nothing's loading properly. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a cool series. I like it, it. It seems to be more playing more loose with typographic stuff because there seems to be some really interesting typography in these that you wouldn't normally have on the previous quarters. Some fonts and stuff. Maybe they loosened their standards a bit. I don't know. All right, yeah, this usmint.gov is sort of crapped out, but you get the idea. I thought it was really interesting getting that uh, Bessie Coleman quarter. So I had some weird dreams um, recently. I actually thought about, you know, like as soon as I woke up to go to the basement to record them so I wouldn't wake my wife up, but I decided not to. I just wrote them down. And uh, so the first one, I don't know if I really remember it, but I let me read it to you and see if I remember any of this. Revolving door, just missed hitting into woman. Alternate timelines, 209 with my initials reversed. Store with back door open. Sign in there too. Remember revolving door. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sort of, yeah. Okay, so it it involved these alternate timelines. So like, I, I went in this revolving door, but um, I, I almost hit into this woman. Like I thought maybe I thought she was getting out, but she continued on. And if I had hit into her, it would have produced this uh, sequence of events. So I understood that there were these alternate timelines. And I, and I remember realizing that like the timeline would be reset again because the bad thing happened. I'm like, okay, I got to remember. It's so hard to remember when the timeline resets. The revolving door, the revolving door. I was trying to remember, like, to be careful with the revolving door in the next iteration, the next running of events, right? And then there was, like, a 209 with my initials reversal. Instead of FN would be NF or FEN would be NEF with a 209 on it. That's weird. There was a store. Yes, I remember this now. Okay, so it's weird that I am actually remembering it. So there was a store, and it was, like, in this uh, parking lot behind, like, a main street. And there was like this little art gallery place and um, the back door was open, but there was no one in there. So I went in and I saw there was this sign. I think it was, again, it's this thing that was written with 209 with my initials reversed on there that shouldn't have been there. It just sort of appeared overnight. So I went back out and then the owner of the place, who I think I had met in previous timelines but hadn't met yet in this one, was like, I'm like, hey, yeah, I was going to tell them about this thing that appeared, but then... They just saw me walking out. They would never believe, oh, this thing appeared. Like they would think they, they don't know me. They, they would think I just put it in there. I'm like, how am I going to prove it to them that this is from an alternate timeline? <laughs> the sign. Yeah, there was that sign was in there. Yeah. <clears throat> the same sign with the 209 with NEF, whatever. It's weird. I do remember that scene, though. That was a cool scene where I was like, They'll never believe me. They don't know me in this timeline. I haven't met them yet. It was a cool dream. So then, uh, the next night, the fifth, I had this one. So I, I kind of remember there's so much stuff happening, but this was the, the last part I remembered. So it was in this performance area, right? And there was a piano on this stage that, w- that was up on a... Um, it was... Uh, you know, it was higher than the, the floor, obviously, and uh, there was a few people there, so it was kind of like rehearsals, I guess, and they were sort of pretending that 
everyone was there. And uh, Pee Wee Herman was the performer. And he was by the piano. He was like talking and maybe playing a little bit of piano. But I was right there by him, right? I was standing like right next to him. And I don't know if that he couldn't see me or he was ignoring me. But I told myself, I'm like, uh, I'm like, this is 2001. I time traveled back to 2001 and this Pee Wee Herman performance. And he was talking about like aardvarks and stuff, something about aardvarks. Maybe in reference, uh, is there, what's that song by Frank Zappa? Oh, Echidna's Arf of You, like an echidna or an aardvark or something. Yeah, and so I, I, I had my recorder, this recorder in the dream. And when Pee Wee Herman starts rambling about aardvarks or echidnas or whatever, like I'm like, oh no, I better start recording. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what happened with that. Again, all the recordings you make in a dream are, are no longer uh, accessible. You can't like digitally transfer your, your audio recorded recordings from, from dreamland to the real world yet. <laughs> anyway, then I was at a rock concert, right? <clears throat> um, and somehow I was helping the band. Like in both of these scenes, I was like somehow part of the crew or something. Um, but I was near the back of the crowd and somehow I would sort of spur on the crowd. It was almost like I was immaterial, like floating around, and I could sort of spread emotions to the people in the crowd to make them react better. It was weird. That was weird. I was like sort of floating above them, almost like it was a video game where you had to kind of um, influence the crowd using like like psychic abilities to make them enjoy the show more <laughs> or something like that. Um the band that was performing, like in the dream, I knew who they were, but I'm not, I don't remember who they were, but I got confused because then a new band was on and the band was called Jane, J-A-N-E. I'm like, the band Jane, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know, know that band. So I think, um, it has something to do with Aerosmith. Does, are they the band that have, Jane's got a gun. Is that, is that, yeah, Janie's Got a Gun or something? So I think it was a, either an Aerosmith cover band or it was a band formed by some of the children of the members of Aerosmith and it was called Jane. So in the dream, I was like, yeah, Jane. And it wasn't like a normal concert setup. It was like uh, there were all these different walkways. There were like tunnels under the stage and benches. You could just sort of hang out wherever you wanted to. And... My wife was sitting there, so I sat next to her on the bench, and I, I got my phone. I was going to look up Jane on Wikipedia to see, like, what the band was. <laughs> so that's when I woke up. But there is an American band called Jane. It's just Jane. I know there's a band Jane's Addiction, obviously. You know, uh, Jane was an, was an electronic duo consisting of Panda Bear, Noah Lennox, and Animal Collective, of Animal Collective, and Scott Moo. The two worked together at Other Music and, and recorded and practiced at Moose House. Oh, my God. Remember that Other Music? That was like a – you want to talk about pompous hipsters. Oh, my God. That place, Other Music, which was right on East 4th Street. It was right across from uh, Tower Records at the time and next to a store called Anime Crash for many years. Other Music. I used to go there, but, yeah, it was so pompous. It was like such a hipster place. I always felt uncomfortable there. They, they had some good music there. I know there's a documentary about it. 
and they did shut down, but I, I always found the place rather off-putting. Remember, I used to get that hipster magazine, Arthur, there. Remember Arthur magazine? I think it was named after that line in uh, A Hard Day's Night. What do you call that hairstyle? Arthur. Anyway, I guess we better listen to Jane. <laughs> when I think of Jane, I think of uh, that character from uh, the Malibu Bikini Shop. Jane, you want to go high sightseeing? No, Rodeo Drive. <laughs> yes, if you know what I'm talking about. It's my fiance, Jane. Welcome to the family, Jane. That was a movie I, I played the, the trailer of a million times, but when I finally saw it. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's all because of that stupid bikini store. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, what am I looking up here? Jane, the band Jane. Pan- Who's this panda bear person? <laughs> is he actually a? Is he actually a, a anthropomorphic panda bear? No, like Ping and Pong the panda from that nightmarish Brady Bunch uh, cartoon. No. Well, maybe he's one of them that turned into a human, like with uh, the whole Roger Rabbit system. No, it makes no sense. There he is. There's Mister Panda Bear. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so what do I just look up the word Jane? That's going to be real helpful. Talk about naming your band in a way that's not going to... I don't think this is the same band from my dream, though, because it it seemed more of like an Aerosmith kind of thing. All right, this is not working. But, all right, let me just try to find that song. Is it Janie's Got a Gun? Janie's Got a Gun. I don't think I've heard that song. Yeah. Janie's Got a Gun. I have a cousin named Janie, actually. Yeah. Janie's Got a Gun. To what can be done with her gun? That's uh, the dream was sort of referencing this song for some reason. It's I'm not a particularly big. I'm not an Aerosmith fan. I kind of find them uh, not that great. I don't think their music has aged that well. But of course, that one song is good. Loving in elevator, giving it up when I'm going down. <laughs> All right, we gotta find this band Jane. Let me, let me just try on this Jane Panda Bear. I know I may find a panda bear named Jane, but let's see. Uh, panda bear. Yeah. 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 Here, here, here's a song called Coconuts from the band Jane. It's 23 minutes long. Wow. I dig I dig long songs. The, post, the poster, Eric Shepper, says, I do not own this music. All props go to Jane. And since 2012, it's only had 11,000 views. I've never heard uh, Jane before, but this song, great song, Coconuts. Panda Bear and Scott Moo. Well, uh, <laughs> when is it going to get going? Come on. It's one of these kind of bands. It's leading to something, I can tell. 
It's like you put the lime in the coconut. No, that's Harry Nelson. Or shake your coconuts. No, that's Junior Senior. Fish did a cover of that once. All right, let's fast forward, shall we? Okay. This is the five-minute mark. All right, so it's this, it's this kind of thing, right? I'm not in the mood for this kind of music right now, but I get it. This is not the band I saw in the dream, okay? <laughs> Somewhere like an Aerosmith cover band. Or the children of Aerosmith members. Do they have children? Uh, Tyler. Well, yeah, Steven Tyler, his daughter. He has the daughters, right? Uh, Liv Tyler, who was actually raised by uh, Todd Rundgren instead of him. All this weird stuff. Yeah. But how about those panda bears? Brady Kids opening. And then also the wizard bird. I'm very fascinated by the wizard bird that was like controlling their life, this weird wizard bird. It does feel like this could be one of those shows that has those sinister undertones like those other stuff I was talking about. They're in live action though. But then they're going to turn into cartoons, right? Totally different than the regular TV series theme song. Same music, but in different words. Apparently, all these kids are still alive, by the way. But just watch, one of them will die now, guys. I said that. Can you imagine all of the Brady kids outlived the, uh, the you know, friends, the TV show friends that also had six main characters? Of course, six main kids in the Brady Bunch. That the Brady kids out, outlived friends in terms of the first death. Markoff? What? The, the dog's name is Markoff? What? And Marlin, who has voices by the the Brady all right, and then, yes, look, all right. The evil wizard bird is turning them into cartoons. This is so nightmarish. Mop top, okay, mop top, not Molotov or whatever I said, Mark. A mop top hairdo on the dog. What did I say, Markov? Molotov. Marlin, who has what? Voices by the score? What, does he have multiple personalities? Oh, Jesus, man, this is scary stuff. We'll be bought up and pinging from the pandas. And Marlin, who has voices by the score, the Here he comes, turning them into cartoons. You are no longer human. And your mother and father and Alice are gone. Replaced with cartoon animals. <laughs> Frightening. Marlin, who has voices by the... Does he hear voices? Hold on. Did, did someone write down the uh, the lyrics to this? Of course they did. This is the internet. And Brady Bunch-related things are very important to my Generation X folks. Oh. <laughs> I searched for that Marlin, who has voices, and Albert Brooks came up first for some reason. Why? He was originally named Albert Einstein, by the way. <clears throat> Here someone wrote it down. Meet the sisters, now meet the brothers. Greg's the leader and a good man for the job. There's another boy by the name of Peter. The youngest one is Bob. 
instead of Bobby, they call him Bob. See the sisters, they're all quite pretty. First there's Marcia with her eyes of sparkling blue, a sparkling blue. Then there's Jan, the middle one, who's really groovy, and Sister Cindy, too. Let's get set now for action and adventure. We see things we never saw before. We'll meet Mop Top and Ping and Pong the pandas, and Marlin, who has voices by the score. The Brady Kids, the Brady Kids. It's the world of your friends, the Brady Kids. <laughs> but how does he have voices? Like, what's, what's the concept of the voices thing? Does he do different voices, like different celebrity impersonations? Like, well, I'm Jimmy Stewart. I, I, I. Some things like those like outdated impressions. Well, I'm John Wayne. Those kind of ones. Uh, let's see. The Brady Kids, the complete animated series. You can buy it on a DVD right now for only $12. <laughs> I don't think there's very many episodes. Let's see. Anyone review this? Fun show. A fun trip back to our childhood TV watching. This show is stylized to the Scooby-Doo mystery series, which for me is a plus. There are no spooky elements like Scooby-Doo, so this is comfortable, campy viewing for youngsters. <laughs> Wait, what is this, this individual Randy is supposed to be saying that uh, Scooby-Doo is too scary for kids? I thought Scooby-Doo was okay for kids of all ages. They like being scared a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, voices by the score. The parents are gone. A wizard bird has taken over, turned them all into cartoons. Jeez. All right, the Brady kids. Let's see. The original six children voiced their animated counterparts in the first season only. Oh. Then they had fake versions afterwards. <laughs> kind of like the Beatles. They didn't they couldn't be bothered to do the cartoon voices. <laughs> I guess they were too busy doing uh, the 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 Brady uh, variety show. As the series title implies, the parents and Alice the housekeeper characters are omitted from the show. At the end of the first season, Filmation asked the kids to continue on their existing contracts for another 5 for another five episodes in the second season, the kid's answer was no, prodded by their agent, Harvey Schatz. <laughs> what? Phil, Filmation threatened both to sue the children over breach of contract and to continue the show without their voices. Look and Linda Plum and Olsen agreed to, to the extended Filmation contract, but Williams, Knight, and McCormick did not. What the hell? This Who is this Harvey Schatz? Yeah, let me tell you, kids, don't do the voices. Five more episodes of voices, don't do it. Why not? Who gives a shit? Make a, little, make a few bucks. They're going to need it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to work that much after this. Marlon, performed by Larry Storch. Right? Larry Storch, who, was, uh, who died last year, right? He was in... Um, he was in F Troop. Yeah, that was his big thing. He was in F Troop. Larry Storch. So he played he played the wizard bird. Hmm. And they did crossovers with DC Comics, Superman, Lois Lane, and Wonder Woman? What? I'm just trying to figure out the voices. Like, the, the character has voices. And right, I guess I'm going to have to watch an episode. And <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. Okay, I just... I, I started watching a random episode. Uh, season 1, episode 4, Long Gone Silver... 
Bobby has received a uh, Lone Ranger badge in the mail, and I think Mar I think Marlin, the Wizard Bird, is is going to try to change it into real silver and uh, is doing a Jimmy Durante impression. Of course, one of those moldy oldy impressions that I love. Important. It's my official Lone Ranger fan club membership pin. Wow. Wow. Boy, is that shiny! It's real silver. Bobby, they don't make things like that out of real silver. They do so. I can make it real silver. Sure, Marlon, sure. It happens to be a scientific fact that one metal can't be changed into another. Is that so? Well, watch this. Ink a dink in a cherry berry bin. Let silver replace that piece of tin. Uh-oh. It's, it vanished. That's funny. Something here should be silver. Uh-oh. Oh, there's the horse silver, high silver. Uh-oh, the pandas talk like that. That That's not good. Anyway, so I'm sure he does all those. That that was a huge uh, genre, those Im 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 impressions of stars of like the 1930s and 40s. All the cartoons did it, right? All the cartoon characters were just like imitating celebrities and stuff. It's a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Not so much anymore. Ask your average child who Jimmy Durante is, they probably won't know. Ask your average 35-year-old, they probably won't know. I tried to mention Fred Allen to some comedians the other night, as we'll get to, and they didn't know who he was either. All right, it's a bit later now, and uh, I want to just play some Lock and Chase. I have here on my little computer um, Arcade 64, which is a branch of MAME, which just does the arcade games, not the plethora of other games. So there's uh, the regular lock and chase, and then there's the deco cassette version. I'm assuming they're the same. Um, deco cassette is Data East Company, D-E-C-O, deco. They had a, an arcade system using cassette tapes, kind of like the old computers where you could store data on an audio cassette tape. But let's just play the regular the regular one. Hopefully this will work. <laughs> you can play some, uh, some lock and chase. I don't know if this one has the bezel, the bezel or not. The bezel, uh, which is the graphics around the screen, it's really cool because it has uh, this old-fashioned car that uh, the character... What is the character's name? What is the main character's name? Super D nickname. St uh, well, the four cops are called Stiffy, Smarty, Scaredy, and Silly. Very, very much a takeoff on the Pac-Man. What's the main guy name? Is he just named Locky? <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. But he drives his old-fashioned car and enters, and he, I guess it's a bank, and he's stealing everything, and, uh, yeah, and the cops chase him, so. Ooh, it sounds like the sound level's way up. Let's see. Another coin. Yeah, I'll go down a little bit here. Here we go. Yeah, it's gonna go here. So you gotta enter the maze. But I do need the the button to. I'm gonna trap one of the cops here. Here we go. Yes, I trapped him. Is that pop? Is it the Popeye song? I don't know what happens here though. It's almost like the energy pills, but it just stops the cops. But if you touch them, you still die. No! I got killed. He sort of melts away and all he's had is left. There he is in his car. 
But I'm, is the guy name is his name Lock and Chase? I guess this is what I'm not getting. All right, here we go. Yeah, I got my money. Then he laughs. Mr. Lock and Chafe is laughing. Oh, I can get a... Wait, I already have a top hat. Why do I need to get another top hat? Extra top hats. I'm not doing too well here. There's the car. Come on. Do I have to use a cheat code to kind of like get through this first level? How bad am I at these games? I gotta use the locks more. Yeah, you gotta use the locks. It's, 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 it, adds, it adds a level uh, of complication to this game, you know? Definitely a, a, a great sound, though, for the... Uh, right, the sounds of this game are great because it definitely fit right into the classic arcade soundscape when you're, when you're in one of those old arcades. Okay, come on, let me clear one screen here. And you, got, you have to escape the maze. And he laughs, laugh, laugh, laugh. In this, so instead of a hat now, there's a crown you can get. Are they all hats and stuff? I don't know. Ooh, no. Game over, man. Can I at least put my initials in? Oh, what's, what's the one I... Let me, let me do the uh, the fictional guy, Beg. B-E-G, that's be cool. That frivol I came up with recently. Lock and chase, push one or two player button. And it shows the different prizes you can get. Top hat, crown, suitcase or a briefcase, a telephone, and then there's other ones that are questionable. Chance, push button. Trap cops. <laughs> but, I mean, like, yeah. Hmm. Let me see. All right, it, it, like maybe if we can find the lock and chase flyer or something. I don't know, let me see. I wanna find out what that guy's name is. What is this, a promo sheet? It's a game of cops and robbers where you collect the loot. Okay, wait, Lupin, the merry madcap is after all, so his name is Lupin, okay. That's weird because right, there's that famous uh, anime, uh, Lupin the Third, right? Anyway, so that's so there is actually a, I think a fan-made sequel that's like Lupin Returns or something. So here it is. Uh, this is the original flyer. Lupin, that merry madcap, is after all the gold coins and riches scattered on the pathways of the maze. As he runs about to pick up the loot, four super detectives are in constant pursuit. Lupin can escape their clutches by clever manipulation of the four-way joystick and of the lock button, which can temporarily bar their way and even lock the detectives between bars, or by exiting the maze and returning on the opposite side. He must also beware the gates that open and close randomly to block his path. When Lupin has picked up all the coins, he must exit the maze and go on to another, and again try to outwit the detectives who are now hot on his trail and even more devious in the chase. Collect the hat, crown, phallus, what, and telephone, vals, vallus, is that, is that, is that a, is that like a, 
well, I don't know, and, and telephoning successive mazes earn, earns bonus points with points doubling for each money bag Lupin snatches. Taito America Corporation, Elk Grove, Illinois. So I guess it was, this is what's confusing, it was distributed in the U.S. by Taito, though it is a data East game uh, in, you know, in Japan. I don't really remember this game specifically out in the wild back in the arcade days. In fact, I don't know if I had any version of Lock and Chase growing up. <laughs> Did it even exist? Is it a Mandela? No, not everything is a Mandela effect. Now, come on, or is it? Ooh, look, a, a, a retro poster print, Cliffhanger. That's cool. See, I'm getting all distracted now. That's also Lupin. That, that's the character. It's from the movie Lupin by uh, Miyazaki, right? That's a great movie, by the way. So how did they know the connection to it? That's weird. Cliffhanger. Yeah, I watched that movie a couple years ago. Hmm. Oh, here's Mega Attack. Wow, we talked about that last time. The internet knows me too all too well. <laughs> See, this would be one of the things I would buy as a lock and chase collector, the, the original uh, flyer for the arcades. Yeah. See, if I was a lock and chase collector, I would buy everything. Related to Locke and Chase, of course. Oh, I wanted to do an update on the Beatles' Now and Then. Last week, of course, their final song came out, Now and Then. And but when I recorded the um, episode, the, the music video had not come out yet. It was the following day, right? Uh, and this music video was directed by Peter Jackson, who uh, did the, the movie, Get Back, the the revamped documentary about the Beatles that I loved. Um, let's see. And at least on the live stream, Paul McCartney came on and it's like, when we asked Peter Jackson to uh, do the music video, he said he doesn't do music videos, but I think he passed the test. Hey, see for yourself. I don't know if that's on the regular video or that was just on the live stream. Uh, yeah, but... Th Want to sing along? No. Hey, Siri. Play some pop what are you music. talking about? I want to see the video. Shut up. Yeah, here's the official music video. This only has 21 million views so far since last week. So it, it shows uh, a mix of footage of the Beatles from all different time periods. And I don't know, when I saw it, I was a little turned off to it, you know. Um, but it's sort of using a similar... Technique and style that he used in the Get Back, which is interesting. Interesting, but <coughs> it feels like a little bit unpolished in a way. And I get the idea, and I think it could have been better if he spent more time on it. It just sort of feels like if this was sort of like an early draft version of the music video, it would make sense. But yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit. Um, Unpolished is the best way to put it. You have like Ringo and Paul from the 2020s now, and then you have the 95 sessions. It's very confusing, but I think it's meant to be. And then you have, there's John Lennon in New York, obviously 80 or before, because he died in 80. And there's a very young George Harrison. It's just sort of seemingly random footage, but then they start to superimpose them on the scene, and it even seems like the masking they're using is very poor masking, you know, to, to... Yeah, here's, like, current Paul and Ringo next to each other, but, like, Ringo's obviously being matted in, but, like, the mad effect is really bad. It's not well done at all. 
could be done much better. Or maybe it's deliberately made to look like that. Good, good excuse. There's more younger beetle footage. And now here's all four beetles. Again, with that really bad uh, masking of the edges. And I, I like the idea, but I mean, let me just say, this idea, and considering the kind of special effects and budgets, that could, this, this should not have been this looking like this, unless it was somewhat the intent to make it look cheap, but why would it be, right? There was that recent uh, Rolling Stone video where they had um, billboards of the Rolling Stones, but actually moving like videos, and it was really well done technically. You can see they poured a ton of money into it, but this video, like, there's the Sgt. Pepper's versions of like John and Paul, or is it, or just, hold on, yeah, John and Paul and Sgt. Pepper versions with current versions of uh, Ringo and and uh, Paul, which is a good idea, but like. You know, like the masking, like I'm looking at, here's a still frame of George at, at, in his Sgt. Pepper outfit. And I, you know, because I do a lot of masking in Photoshop and I could just sort of see like the edge, it was just done by like really not, probably done by uh, like an AI thing and not like by hand and it just doesn't look good. So I don't know if they sort of felt it was okay. I don't know. It, this could have been done much better. I mean, the whole, the idea has flaws anyway. And now they're, they're showing the, uh, the orchestra, who, who didn't even know they were doing a Beatles song. This was recently. There's Ringo in his current 2023 room. Yeah, good idea, but not well executed. And it's like John Lennon being all like hyper and weird, which is always good. But and there's they're, they too much focus on these uh, violin players. Like, I get it, but they're kind of boring. And there's John like supposedly directing them. <laughs> And one violin player looks up as if, as if he's looking up at this weird, like, reborn John Lennon. Yeah. I was hoping for more from the video. Yeah. <laughs> John, like, spazzing out dancing. Yeah. And then I, I really don't like the end where they show the Beatles disappearing. It's not over. They still have one more song to release, at least, known as Carnival of Light, please. And then some scenes are just of single shots and other scenes are the combined Beatles. It just, it feels messy. Yeah, and then they're showing Sgt. Pepper and of course they have to show Mr. Aleister Crowley up there. Wait, is Hans Hall in there? Hold on. Wait, there's W.C. Field. Wait a minute. Synchronicity, synchronicity. W.C. Field, who's on uh, the Sgt. Pepper cover. Wait, are you... Wait a second. Yeah. Uh-oh. I just discovered something. Leo Gorsi is on there. This is amazing. Hold on. There's a little Easter egg. No one else noticed this. So, Hunts Hall and Leo Gorsi, right, were from a film series known as uh, The East Side Kids or The Bowery Boys. And um, they were both originally put in the top row on the Sgt. Pepper's album cover. And they, they tried contacting them and, you know, just to get permission. And uh, 
Hans Hall was like, I guess, like, okay, great. But Leo Gorsi said, no, I need more money. And so they just, they just airbrushed him out. I wonder if anyone noticed this. This is, a, this is huge news. Leo Gorsi is back on the portion of the cover you see on the music video here. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. Has anyone else noticed that? I did. Wow, I, I can't believe I, I didn't I, I didn't notice that. But yeah, uh, there's a W.C. Fields who that bird creature was imitating before. And of course, the occultist Aleister Crowley over there towards the top left. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting choice. I always thought he should have been on there. The guy was an idiot. Who even knows who he is anymore? They don't show Bowery Boys every Sunday in the afternoon. And if it was raining out and you weren't going out to play, you would just watch it. And here's like a, a montage of the Beatles like getting younger and younger. But again, the special effects or the masking, whatever, is really poor. Little now they're they, now they've become children, and now we're in Hard Day's Night in the theater, and here's the scene from Hard Day's Night with that sort of tile, glowing tile background, and they they bow and then they vanish. Then the Beatles sign goes off, and it's the end of the Beatles. Is it really the... Listen, it's not the end of the Beatles till they release that damn Carnival of Light, damn it. You see what I'm saying? I wonder if I should go on the Beatles subreddit. Oh, I want to I want to mention that uh, on Reddit. You know, I'm not a huge... I don't really make a ton of posts on Reddit. But I did post about um, the Paul is Dead aspect, which is at the very beginning of the song. Can, can, we, can we hear this? The very beginning of the song. Paul very... Very in a very low. It says, "One, two. This is crap. I, I want to see the video, not an ad." All right, we have to have an ad. Shut up. Here, here we go. Listen. No, not not on this version. It's the other version. I'm sorry. We gotta get the actual audio version. Here, here it is. Okay, here we go. One, two. So I was sort of theorizing that, that that was a reference to how there's two different versions of Paul, the old one and the new one. Now, you might say it's just him counting off, but it seems kind of weird how he tacked that on the front. I think it's a reference to Paul is dead. But anyway, I did mention it on the Beatles' main subreddit, but uh, hold on. I noticed, I, I didn't know how welcome Paul is Dead stuff was on the main subreddit. So there's actually another subreddit called Beatles Circle Jerk where you can do shit posting about the Beatles. So someone posted the song. This song is really good. Can't wait to see what they put out next. You know, again, the shit posting. So I, I made the comment. Notice at the very start, Paul counts off one, two, as in two versions of Paul, the original and the replacement. And this has gotten 317 upvotes. This is by far my most successful post ever on on Reddit. <laughs> Shit posting. And some people replied. NF Matt says, "Whoa." Mac Wanamaker says, "Now, now it now it was the replacement, but back then it was the original." The Moon Doggy says, "Good catch." And Artistic Butt Mole says, "Holy shit." So that was my like uh, my greatest uh, post ever <laughs> on Reddit. Reddit circle jerk. Uh, 
let me see. I should post on here because I do think this is big news. If if anyone, let me see if anyone else found the Leo Gorsi thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a post here from three years ago. Leo Gorsi, what a jerk. He was eliminated from the Sgt. Pepper album because he insisted on being paid $400. I mean, at this point, he's a lot older. He's an angry, cranky old man. And $400. What a jerk. Do you understand? You could have been on Sgt. Pepper's, you jerk. But now he's back. He's back. Let's see. Anyone posted it recently? Uh, the crowd assembled on Sgt. Pepper's. Hmm. Interesting. Twelve. Okay, yeah. Leo Gorsi painted out because he requested a fee. Who else was painted out? Uh, Gandhi and... Uh, a statue from John Lennon's house? What? I don't know. Anyway, um, I wonder if I should post that. Yeah. It's an interesting little detail. Maybe I will. Maybe we'll get 300 upvotes again. Probably not. Maybe I should just add it as a response to a thread about the, um, the video itself, not to make its own post. But yeah, let, let me try that route so it's not quite as disruptive. Anyway, let's check out what arrived in the mail yesterday, as I mentioned at the start of the show. Three t-shirts arrived. Each of these ordered very different time periods. I haven't really looked at these yet. Let me take a look here. First, I have the Gentle Giant in a Glass House album cover. Look at this. Amazing. Especially that with Witherspoon, the drummer. He's he's wild. He's a wild man. Yeah, and the font is uh is that University Roman or something? Something like that. In a Glass House Gentle Giant. What an amazing album. Um it's sort of white and gray graphics on a black t-shirt. Love that Gentle Giant. I always love wearing. I have two other Gentle Giant t-shirts. One of my favorite bands, the best band you never heard of basically. Uh they're the, they're the sort of the great lost band from the 70s. Progressive rock well worth exploring for anyone that's into rock or prog rock or anything. Love this shirt. I kind of skipped the uh, interview shirt because uh, there's a big rainbow on it, and that has all these weird political connotations these days. So, Anyway, I also have a fish shirt. Of course, every time I, I buy the live streaming package to watch fish at home, I get the T-shirt, and this is... A wizard. This is a cool t-shirt. It's sort of like naive high school kid drawing of a wizard and stuff. This is a Fish Fall Tour 2023 t-shirt. It's a great one. Look at this. It is a dark gray t-shirt. The graphics are blue and purple and green and gray. So there's like a dragon, a wizard zapping out the fish logo. In a castle, there's like a griffin, there's a moon with a face. Chicago, Dayton, Nashville. <coughs> Wait, wasn't there another another stop? No, it was just Nashville, Ohio. Yeah, it was like three shows in Nashville, two shows in Dayton, Ohio, and then one, three, two, three shows in Chicago, yeah. I love this shirt. This may be, this may be one of my favorite uh, fish t-shirts ever. Love it. I know that uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard use similar sort of Im- imagery of wizards and stuff. And finally, 
an alphabet of Prague. Uh, I, I found this on T Public, and there was a something completely unrelated. I can't even remember what it was, but this one artist on there um, had this uh, tons of designs. I think mostly of us football players, soccer players from England, but then these typographic ones, and this one really jumped out at me. The alphabet of Prague. So it's the letters A through Z um, from the from uh, progressive rock album covers. And there's a key on the bottom, but let me see how many I can get. I think the C is definitely from Camel. The G is definitely from Genesis. Uh, N is probably from Nectar, right? The Q is definitely from Queen. The R is from Rush. T, is that Tool, actually? I don't know. I guess Tool's progressive. I'm not into Tool. Um, the W, War of the Worlds, maybe? Uh, was that guy Jeff, whatever? The X, of course, is the Tubular Bells, Y from Yes, and the Z is just the Frank Zappa mustache logo. So let's see. The A is Asia. The B is Barkley James Harvest. They're good. C is Camel. D is Dream Theater. E is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. F is Focus. G is Genesis. H is Hawkwind. Nice. Then the band IQ, Jethro Tull, King Crimson, Led Zeppelin, Moody Blues, Nectar, Osana, Pink Floyd, Queen, Rush, Supertramp, Tool, UK, Vandegraaff Generator, who I've just been getting into recently, Jeff Wayne, yes, that's definitely War of the Worlds, Mike Oldfield, yes, and Frank Zappa, wow. And I opted to get this on a, um, a tie-dye shirt which is slightly rainbowish, but not to the point that it's going to become political. I wonder if this is a real tie-dye shirt or it's simply been printed with the pattern of a tie-dye shirt. I don't know how I could tell. I have to think it's probably screen-printed as tie-dye, but maybe it is an actual tie-dye shirt. I don't know. I never saw that they had tie-dye available, but it works very well with these. What is that, F again? Focus, yeah, okay. Well, their big song is Hocus Pocus, you know, with, with the yodeling. Do, 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 do. No, that's Frankenstein. I'm totally wrong. Anyway, they do have yodeling and hocus pocus, though. How does that go? Why am I confusing it with Frankenstein? I know Howard Stern used to play it under his commercials. Yeah, here's the song, right? Let's just hear the start of it. I mean, this is not it. This is a commercial. The endless commercial. So it is, yeah, you see why I'm confusing it with the beginning of Frankenstein. It's a big song. They have a lot of other songs, but this is the only song people would know, really. They're a one-hit wonder in the U.S. I think they have... you got to hear the part where they start yodeling. Not a great deal of yodeling in rock, you know. I love this shirt, though. This is such a cool shirt. Come on, where's the yodeling? Where's the damn yodeling? It's coming soon. It's got to come soon. Please come. Where's my show notes? Here's a live performance on the Midnight Special. Is it really live or are they just lip syncing? 
Oh yeah, that guy, look, that guy's really singing, oh my god. <laughs> Wait, now I can see the guy doing it. Oh, this is so cool, the actual focus, doing Hocus Pocus on the Midnight Special. October 5th, 1973. Excellent. Nice. Maybe I should listen to more Focus. I know I have listened to Focus. I don't know. I, I kind of lost Focus listening to Focus, though. Yeah. Anyway, those are some great T-shirts that arrived. Pretty much my only fashion statement is uh, the T-shirt. So. And as I mentioned, I got a tarot deck. I, I caught wind of this. I, and I can remember the sequence of events that caused me to get this because... Okay. I get that, uh, whenever I go to a comic shop, I get that monthly catalog called Previews, which is like a catalog of all the comic books and toys and figurines they're releasing like two months hence. And it's great sort of bathroom reading and just like a reference thing, an overview of the comics. And they had something in reference to um, Shadowrun, uh, which is a uh, a long-time role-playing game, and there's been some video games of it. I've never really played any of the games, but I've been aware of Shadowrun, sort of a a cyberpunk near future in Seattle and all the classic cyberpunk stuff. Like you're, you're, you have like a deck and you patch into the matrix, whatever. And there's mutations and there's some magic and stuff. And I remember they did create a, a tarot deck for Shadowrun. I think it was called the sixth world tarot. And I was always kind of interested in it as I, I am interested in tarot cards, but it came out originally like years ago in a limited edition. Then it wasn't available. And it's all this, oh my God, it's so tiresome. Now it's still, a, it is available now, but it wasn't something that I felt was that exciting. So as I'm, I'm like, well, how about looking for other cyberpunk tarot decks? That could be interesting. And in fact, I found this one for sale on eBay. And this actually has an interesting story behind it. If I can find the, the listing of it. <sighs> This was put together in 1994 as kind of a demo production. Apparently there weren't that many copies made. And um, now it's being sold by the original crea- one of the original creators of the deck. I guess she's clearing out her inventory. And uh, Cyberdeck, is, is, is it all sold out now? Did I get one of the last ones? Let me see. Searching, searching. It must still be up there. Come on. Are you, I, I, I may have got the last one. I don't know. I hope I saved the, the listing because it has all the information. What? Are you kidding me? Is it gone now? I, I, I mean... Oh, here it is. Here it is. This listing has ended. Oh, my God. Look at this. Yeah. I, got the, I, I think I got one of the last ones. Oh, my God. It's gone now. Sorry, folks. You can't get one. Wow, it's listed as a Cyber Deck Tower of the Future Futuristic Blade Runner Shadowrun Cyberpunk. That's all just search terms, right? Um, yeah, description from the seller. Produced in a very limited run of 500, this unique 42-card cyber-slash-gamer deck consists of all major-style cards. The decks were printed as a demo using traditional four-color printing. Each deck is packed in an old data tape case that perfectly fits the cards. Very Blade Runner slash Shadowrun themed. 
They are smaller than regular tarot cards, more of the regular, more of the more the size of regular playing cards. An instruction booklet is included. This deck is mint, is in mint unused condition. It is a must-have for computer lovers and gamers, as well as rare tarot enthusiasts. And I'm all three, to some extent. Well, obviously, I'm a computer lover and a gamer, and I do have quite a soft spot for rare tarot cards. Though I don't really use the tarot for divination. I only use I Ching for divination. If I do need if I do need a bit of divining, I'll use I Ching. This listing is for the few remaining decks I have left. Once these are gone, no more will be printed. Thanks for supporting this project. And uh, wow, I, I, I'm wow. I I just got it in time. It was only ten bucks, or nine ninety nine. So yeah, it's in this tape case. It's around the size of a regular deck of cards. But I mean, look at this. It's one of these, you know, it's a clear plastic, but it's slightly fuzzy looking, like slightly gray clear plastic. Yeah, those data tapes, like that tapes or something. Anyway, let me open this up here. This is this is very rare, very amazing. And someone on, uh, the reason I bought it is someone on, on YouTube uh, bought it recently and, and had some things to say. Let me see if I can find that actually. Uh... On YouTube, they, they they were they have a whole channel of uh, going of presenting tarot decks. Cyberdeck. See if see if they have some more information about it. Cyberdeck. Oh, it's just too it's too generic of a term. Cyberdeck tarot. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> this is cool. Well, this is five months ago. Okay. Hello, it's Meg. This is a, just an unboxing. I just got this deck right Rose Honey Ritual is the name of this YouTube channel. Right now. And I thought the little case was so weird. So I wanted to show you what it looks like. Here we go. That's it. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can find a tarot card. Why, yes, I can. So we can compare. Nice. So after watching this video, I decided to buy it because there's a lot of cool cards in there. <laughs> uh, oh, shoot. I just took them out of the thing. I didn't even show you how cool the case was. Gosh, what am I even doing this for? Literally that. Um, okay, let me just get them back in. All right, so look. Look at this. It opens like this. What? Anyway, that's the video I watched. So I have it here. There's a little instruction manual <laughs> with a... Uh, uh, a, a staple right down like on the edge not they don't say so obviously they didn't even have a saddle stitch stapler I, I used to staple things like this when i did mini comics this cover the cyber deck uses the font stop by uh, aldo nofrese you know that font stop but the actual deck uses more of an art nouveau font um i think aureole is it perhaps that font let's look at this little booklet it's just a photocopied uh, booklet this is such a rare thing so I know me and Rose Honey Ritual are two of the few people that have this deck. Copyright 1994 Envision Games. The Cyber Deck. A word about the future, the cards. Gives the meaning of all the cards, and then it has the credits. <laughs> and deck created by Diane Ranella and with Brett Harrison. Contributing artists Matt Manson and uh, Ujvari Gabor. But... It was Diane Ranella herself who uh, who mailed it to me. So she is the one. She has these. So thank you, Diane, for 
releasing these to the public. Uh, it's been a long time since 94. Let me see where she's based. I, I took a picture of the return address label just so I had it. San Leandro, California, wherever that is. San Leandro. Where is that, north or south? Let's see, San Leandro. Interesting. Let's see, it is, yes, it's in the Bay Area. It is right next to Oakland, wow. Yeah, right next to Oakland, right in that area. Fremont, not too far from Fremont. Yeah, right across the uh, bay. Is that a bay there? Yes, San Francisco Bay from uh, San Francisco. Where's Alcatraz? No. Shouldn't it be over here somewhere? What do I hear? Sirens in the distance? Didn't they just have Alcatraz in that TV show? Yeah, there's Alcatraz right there. Yeah, Loki, they had Alcatraz, yeah, for some reason. Anyway, let's take a look at the cards. Well, let's see what it says here, the cyber deck. There's something written in here. This is so cool. It's like a self-published thing from 1994. A word about the future. For centuries, man has attempted to foretell what life would be like in the year 2000. What seemed like the distant future is quickly becoming the present. The cyber deck represents what many believe tomorrow holds. Not long ago, computers were thought to be a passing fad. Today, it is unfathomable to be without one. Appropriately, all artwork on the cyberdeck was computer-generated or assisted. Rapid upswings in crime lead us to believe that the world will become even more violent. Wait, what? <laughs> that, that, was, that, that escalated quickly. As fierce as the world is turning, we still attempt to see all the beauty that it has to offer. InVision has tried to make these cards as bright as possible in time in a time where our forecast looks bleak. Oh, InVision Games, San Leandro, okay. The cards of the cyber deck were made in semi-non-traditional fashion. All the cards in the deck are what would normally be referred to as major arcana. Or arcana, I never know how to pronounce that word. This was done because we wanted to reflect the power of each card on its own. Throughout history, one view of our future has remained constant. All thoughts, ideas, and preconceived notions will change. Traditions will be broken, and life will be seen as never before. So, let's just go through the deck here. <laughs> this is so cool. And the back of the cards is kind of a, an Eye of Horus kind of thing with like a computer chip. We have the Chariot, which is a... Uh, can't tell what that is. Some sort of computer-generated insect. The Wizard, with a Y instead of an I. Cool, like a uh, wizard jacked into the system. Arcology, which is this is actually very cool. They're spelling Arcology with an H-A-R-C-H. Um... But I've talked about arcologies before, and this is kind of a representation of an arcology. In fact, I found a link to that original book about arcologies. Uh, let me just make a note of it. Yeah, because I, I found a really good page, which is that whole book. I mean, it's like $500 to get the original book now. It's about creating these cities that are like one with nature. It's really interesting. The devil, cool digital devil. The net. This is a Mandelbrot set fractal image with a landscape. The Fool is a weird guy with long orange hair with a machine gun. Very violent version of The Fool. Might, M-I-G-H-T, which obviously is a 
sort of an enhanced uh, electron microscope image, probably of a mite, M-I-T-E. The emperor, another sort of guy with big hair from the 80s. The empress, kind of a female rock star, death before sanity, brain impaired. Cool. The hanged man. It's very similar to the original tarot card, but the dude has a, a, a mohawk, a purple mohawk. Chartreuse mohawk? or <laughs> That was in Rick and Morty a long time ago. Upgrade, sort of a weird egg kind of thing. The hacker. <laughs> it's just so funny, like radial. I think he's just using radial blur. This feels like the Photoshop work I was doing in 94. It's so cool. Transmutation, like someone being electrocuted, man. Prison, it's just all these weird little bubbles in blue. Magic is a computer screen with a uh, billiard ball with the letter K on it. It feels like it was uh, cut up from uh, computer monitor ads in computer magazines. Perfection, more fractal imagery. System crash, it's like an ATM that says alert. This is so cool. And they're using the font, I believe, again, it's Aureol, A-U-R-I-O-L. I think, let me just double check that. feels, yeah, it feels like it works in a cyberpunk context to some degree because it has kind of a stencil vibe to it. Let's see. Is it this font? I think it is. Let me just look up. Like I'll do system crash. Let's see. System crash. Yes, I was completely correct. That is the font. Symmetry. It's like a rainbow. The aforementioned rainbow. Aphrodite, computer woman. Hades, sort of an evil photoshopped, uh, using the uh, what polar coordinates filter. There's like a devil creature there. Nova is another uh, Mandelbrot image of fractal. The deck, you're going to jack into the matrix there, yeah. Radiation, yes, indeed. No, um, it's like a sun with various things. That's kind of cool. It's like a sun almost like an eye of Sauron, but there's like radiating out a pen, a sword, a gun, an axe, a nuclear missile, a syringe, a TV, alcohol. Very cool. Cosmos, interesting, uh, weird creature in the middle of space. CEO is a kind of a, uh, what, what's his name? A Nagel woman, Nagel-looking woman, you know, from uh, that artist Nagel, Patrick Nagel, that did the Rio cover for Duran Duran. There's a little bumper sticker that says, we don't care. See, CEOs are uncaring bastards. Achievement. This is uh, someone's like wrist being opened up, and there's like circuitry inside, like in cyberpunk. Wisdom. You see like chips on someone's head using uh, one of those uh, fil- Photoshop filters. Peacemaker. Well, it's a giant meteorite striking and destroying the Earth. I guess that'll cause peace. Manacles, a woman that's chained up on the wall. Mystery, sort of a rainbow Mandelbrot pattern. Strength, it is a tiger man with a machine gun. Virtual reality, another nagelish woman in, in, in sort of a screen. The lovers, a man and a woman connected by wires in their heads with Mandelbrot patterns. Victory, access granted, another sort of ATM looking thing or computer, whatever. Cyborg. It's a robot cyborg with a gun with Mandelbrot patterns in the background. 
fate to two different arms and Mandelbrot patterns. The moon, it's the moon with some sort of weird, is it like an owl? Some sort of weird owl face in there. Conflict, a man and a woman. The man has a machine gun. <laughs> Who does he look like? He looks like someone. What's that movie? The guy, the guy had that big that beard. Uh, not Zorf, Hunter from the Future. There was some sci-fi movie where a character looked like that. Then we have The Tower, which has like a tower with the Eye of Horus on it. Code, computer code with interesting uh, red glyphs on it. In X origin, Y origin, when they went, they went up the four sides. They turned, not went, but the place whither looked, they followed it. Their whole body and their hands and their wing and wheels were full of eye round. Even the wheels, they had four hat. Don't know what that's all about. Alchemy, kind of an interesting abstract image. Sheen, so apostrophe S-H-E-E-N is this weird sort of Boba Fett robot woman. <laughs> it's wild. And here's an ad, also available from InVision Games, the Fractal Deck. Wait, how can I get this one, too? Anyways... What's her name again? Diane? Diane? I feel like I'm leaving a message for Diane, like from Twin Peaks. Diane Rinella. Good job. I'm so happy to have this. I have a cyber deck. I, I got so close to not getting it. Me and that Rose Honey uh, channel. 500 made, so I mean, some people have them, but I think this is the end. But I think maybe she's just doing them in batches, so maybe they'll be more available. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see, let's see what else she has available. Do I have her uh, her eBay thing here? Um, did I already lose it? <laughs> Come on. Where is it? What is uh, Rose Honey saying? Never seen that before ever. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. It's a little cassette. Um, how big it is. This is a normal tarot card, I guess, I assume. And that's that. Anyway, I'm going to that card. I would die. Um, hmm. The Cyber Deck, Envision Games. And it's by Diane Ranella with Brett Harrison, contributing artist is Matt. So Rizzo. she's also selling Magic the Gathering cards. Baseball, Don Russ Baseball Super Freaks from 1973. Little title card. Hmm. Beatles, George Harrison, Yellow Submarine, Wind Up. Toy. I don't know anything about this deck. I just found it for like ten dollars on eBay. Me too. I found it for ten dollars on eBay. I guess I'll leave it like this. Hmm. This is so cool. <laughs> Archology. Is that a typo? Well, I wouldn't spell it that way, no. but yeah, she noticed it being a typo as well. Cool. Most people don't even know the word archology. The devil. The net. The Fool. Diane Rinella. Might. The Emperor. Best-selling author? Now, wait a minute. The plot thickens here. Now, wait a second. Is this the same Diane Rinella? Look at all her books. Transmutation. No, no. Now, there's so many Diane Rinellas. Yeah, yeah. Too many Diane. Maybe there's only too many Diane Rinellas. I don't know. I love this so much. What the heck? System Crash. Symmetry, Aphrodite, Hades, Nova, the deck, hmm. Radiation, Cosmos, 
CEO. How will we know if that's the same Diane Ranella? Achievement, wisdom. Am I going too fast? I'm so sorry, Diane. Peacemaker. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure this out here. Mm. She's a famous author. That'd be cool, right? I know what words are, but Forbidden Flower by Diane Ranella. Here we go. But in this case, I don't know if we have enough information to try to. Enjoying San Francisco as a backdrop, the Ghosts in the USA Today best-selling author Diane Rinella's 150-year-old Victorian home augment. So, so Bay Area could be the same one. Cyborg. Times Forbidden Flower. The Moon. Hmm. Voices Carry. The Tower. The Rock and Roll Fantasy Collection. That sounds like a similar kind of vibe. Marshmallow World. Alchemy. Interesting. Sheen. See. All right. That was very cool. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for this wonderful tarot card situation. Anyways, I wanted to uh, talk about today's show art. Today's episode is called, perhaps not surprisingly, Lock and Chase. Uh, what happened here? Beetlebacks playing cards are back? What the hell were they talking about? Oh, my God. Yes. So... This was, uh, I was sort of inspired. This morning I, I had to put some show art together. I didn't have any show art. So I looked at some of my recent photos and I found this sequence of two photos I took uh, a week or two ago. This is at the Troy Hill Shopping Center in Parsippany, perhaps. Um, this is uh, the night. This is after I went to my cousin Vinny's. Remember uh, that uh, I, I a couple episodes ago I took a drive out to see my cousin Vinny out in Phillipsburg, and my brother John was there, and it was his and, and his mother, my aunt Jan. And on the way back, I, I drove uh, past. I, I stopped at this uh, the Target at um, at the Troy Hill Shopping Center. Now we, this used to be a big shopping center for us. So when I came out of the Target, I noticed. A very cool pattern in the sky. It was sort of late dusk and this beautiful pattern of clouds. So I took a picture of it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I, Because I, I, I also had to, to go get some beer, which in New Jersey you have to buy at a liquor store. That You can't buy beer at, at a convenience store or a supermarket like you can pretty much anywhere else in the world. You have to go to a liquor store. So I was looking for a particular brand, and I saw there was a liquor store next to the Target. I hadn't noticed it. So I'm like, oh, let me go to the liquor store. It was not. It, it was, they did not have a good selection of beer. So I came back out. They didn't have what I wanted. I came back out, and I saw the clouds were they looked a bit a bit different. So only about three minutes later, I, I could check from the metadata on the photos. And I was taking this from right behind the, my car that was parked. Um, so I had these two pictures that were about three minutes apart, and it was very cool. And I thought, this would be cool to do a show art, just kind of juxtapose them. So the first one on top, and then the next one on the bottom is three minutes later. And... The framing is slightly different. Uh, you, it's a very kind of liminal image of a parking lot at night. And an abandoned storefront to the left there, believe it or not, years ago that used to be Toys R Us. And we used to always come to this shopping plaza, this strip mall. They had such great stuff there. They had Toys R Us. They had Comp USA. They had Veggie Heaven. This strip mall was amazing. We used to go here all the time. We haven't been there in a long time. The Target was not there back when we used to go. The Veggie Heaven's gone. CompuSA obviously is gone. And I don't even know many stories have existed there where the Toys R Us was. Um, so, and 
yeah, there's there's a car kind of moving as you can see pulling out or going back in. Uh, so I love this this pair of images because it does sort of represent. So that so that and then I decided just to call it lock and chase. So chase sort of you know lock and chase is the name of the video game because you're being chased by these detectives, super detectives, and you're locking the doors behind them. But lock and chase could also <coughs> um, refer to what I would say is the kind of ongoing. Um, investigation into the nature of this reality we find ourselves in. The chase for answers, which we're probably not likely to get. And and how things are locked away and, not, and unavailable to us in terms of information. Um, so I thought sort of the chase, the two representing one thing after another. I don't know. I just thought this was very cool. What is that? What is that over there? Is that Panera Bread over there? Yeah, that is Panera Bread. Okay. I don't think that was there either. I didn't even notice the Panera Bread there on the other side of the parking lot. And then behind the parking lot is this sort of vague office center, you know. And you have the you have the uh, the the shopping carts, all you know, sort of forlornly in the distance. I love these images. This, the the lights, the street lights in the parking lot. <laughs> I like this one. Lock and Jason for the font. I I, I chose a font. I was thinking of recent because I, I think of the word zeitgeist a lot. This font is called zeitgeist, and this is the crazy paving variation. It's one of the coolest fonts. It's sort of a a, a faux pixel font, though it's in you know it's in uh, true type or whatever open type. Uh, I always thought this was such a cool, unique font because the lowercase letters have these sort of glyphs or symbols above and below them, and it worked very well. The overnight the overnightscape lock and chase. I also included a bunch of equal signs. There's eleven above and nineteen below. Said. So 11 times 19 equals 209. And I still do use that, uh, a sequence of 11 equal signs, then a space, then 19 equal signs, sort of to divide things in the text versions of the uh, the references here on Nonsug Radio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I really like this. And uh, there's a, a little aspect here that's kind of not perhaps obvious, but when I take these pictures and someone's license plate is clearly seen, I think it's probably better to cover it up because, you know, what if this person was, you know, meant to be somewhere and they weren't really, you know, whatever. People could get in trouble. So I just, I usually cover up the license plates. So I just, I just sampled the color from the license plate. These are all New Jersey license plates, which has that uh, buff color. Buff is a light yellow. That's New Jersey state color. And um, so I, I, I just painted over them. So you can't read the license plates, but then I use that as the color for the text, uh, kind of representing this uh, locking out or obfuscation of information that we have at this level of reality. It's sort of the text is the same color as the blotched out license plates, and I put a little bit of a red outline because there's a bunch of red in the image. Not only the red from the Target brand elements there, but there's a red truck and also the backup lights of the car there. So, anyway, there's a lot going on in this image. And uh, and the two shapes, like the top shape almost looks like a dragon flying. And the bottom shape, through the light through the clouds, looks almost like a weird genie or something. <laughs> I don't know. A dragon and a genie. G-E-N-I-E or D-J-I-N-N-I. I don't know. I mean, I'm really fascinated by the the genie or the jinn in uh, Islamic uh, mythology, or Arabic mythology, actually, more, right? Well, it's in both. Yeah. Anyway, that's your story behind the uh, 
the show art, the, the typography and everything. I like this one, Lock and Chase. Yeah. I need to play more Lock and Chase. Well, we have more Lock and Chase stuff coming up. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit later now. I'm on the porch. It's a beautiful day out today. It says it's warm again. Well, 64 degrees feels warm these days. Um, yeah, so I went to a stand-up comedy show on uh, Friday. On Saturday, that is. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm quite fond of stand-up comedy as a concept. I don't really go see stand-up comedy too much, but I do know that what I do here is distantly related to stand-up comedy because it's a kind of presentation, entertainment presentation, where someone just talks and, and can talk about anything. There's no limitation on the topics. can just start talking about stuff, right? Uh, what other art form is like that? You know, everything's sort of put in boxes and everything, you know, different topics and different things. But you're expected to talk about whatever, daily life, different ideas as a comedian. So I think that what I'm doing here right now is a distant relative, say, to stand-up comedy. But I'm coming up with new stuff to talk about all the time. I'm not repeating stuff. I don't have an act, per se. I, 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 just, I, I have topics that I jot down and talk about. And sometimes I'll talk about the same concepts more than once, but it's all fresh and new, hopefully. Um, so I definitely feel something of a distant kinship to stand-up comedians. So this is at the, at the VFW here in town. VFW is the Veterans of Foreign Wars. So it's an organization of, of, of veterans who've actually been in uh, foreign wars, right? And... Uh, there still are quite a number of them, but I, th I think they're, it's getting harder to get new members, you know, because the younger people that were in Iraq, Afghanistan, etc., um, you know, the idea of joining this kind of uh, an organization, I don't think it's quite as appealing to younger people, but they're always trying to get new people in. Uh, but they do have events, and, and if you're invited by a member, you can go in. Obviously, I don't have any military service to my name. I've never been in the military my parents were in the military, but they weren't in wars, though. My father could have gone to Vietnam, but one of his uh, superior officers didn't like him, so he punished him. You can't go to Vietnam. I'm going to send you to Africa instead. Uh, you can hear my father's stories in the, uh, all those interviews I have with him. Um, but, yeah, so this was a, the first time they ever did a comedy show, just, just to raise money. And so, um, yeah, we went, and it was in the ballroom. We've actually had a few parties in that ballroom because my, yeah, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, my wife's parents, are very involved in the VFW because my father-in-law uh, was in Vietnam. Um, and he was sort of a vice commander of the place, and my mother-in-law does, like, the financial stuff for them. So they're, they're very much connected to the place. So I, I like the idea of seeing stand-up comedy. I really had no idea what to expect. Uh, turns out it was these uh, comedians from Brooklyn, I guess, that all kind of knew each other. Um, and the one guy who is a veteran himself, Joe Mack, uh, I think, because I talked to them afterwards, sort of brought them together to come over there to do a show. So um, it was. So we had some people over. We invited a bunch of people. We bought a table because uh, they actually gave us the fence, the fencing that they had extra of and we used in our backyard, yada, yada. So, um, so there were four comedians. I'd never heard of any of them, but it was, uh, it was actually quite a good show. Started off with this guy, James Mack and his, and as I describe these people, this is, it may, it may seem a bit crude to describe them in these ways, but this is, 
their self-descriptions is very much focused on in their act. They talk all about themselves. So the first guy, James Mack, is a, um, a an Army veteran who has PTSD and, make, and is, talks about that. Also, uh, you know, he's from the South and um, he's from Texas. And his act was very dark and can be kind of dirty at times. I really dug it. I think he was my favorite because whereas it was a bit rough around the edges, um, it was there was he was getting at something and you could tell he was sort of exercising his inner demons by doing it and he actually said he had severe social anxiety when i met him afterwards you could tell but on stage he was uh, very uh, very good and I, I thought some very dirty sexual jokes and some very dark humor that i really dug i i, I thought he overall was my favorite um but uh i know some people in the audience it was probably a little too dirty for some of the people in the audience i don't know then Crenshaw White, who is a black guy who's bald and overweight, and I mentioned this because he talks all about that in his act. Um, he was quite good, too, talking about a lot of stuff. Um, very funny guy. Um, then we had Anya Jones, and again, she's a six-foot-tall Russian woman, and she says this immediately. She's like, hi, I'm six-foot-tall. I'm from Russia. Now, she doesn't have a Russian accent, but I have to assume she came here from Russia when she, when she was younger because she has no hint of an accent. And I think she was having a bit of an off night, partially because, um, you know, ev- everyone's going to have a different microphone technique. Like what I'm doing right now, I actually have my headphones in so I can sort of totally control the tone of my voice to my liking. But you're just on stage with a microphone. Uh, you don't know if it's coming off correctly. And there was no one running sound or anything. So she was talking very loud. And no one was really there to kind of adjust the mixer. There was no mixer, Okay. So it, that was a problem, and I think I think she was just having an off night in general. But um, I don't know; she definitely had potential. But she was doing a lot of Russia stuff, and I I know back in the in the '80s the, uh, there was a very successful Russian comedian named Yakov Shmirnov. What a country! In America, you watch TV; in Russia, TV watches you. So he really played up that whole sort of a bit cartoonish Russian vibe. He actually put up a giant billboard on the side of a building after 9-11. There's a whole thing about that, yeah, Yakov Shmirnov. So I was really thinking about that, but it's, I just sort of felt like she didn't have an accent. Not that you need an accent, but and she also, and also like Russia these days is in this weird political, like it, culturally Russia back in the 80s was considered sort of our fun nemesis, you know. Now it seems a bit tougher to sort of sell like Russia-related stuff. But anyway, um, so she so so she was there, and finally the last uh, act was uh, Joe Pontillo, who seemed to be the most polished of the group. Um, he's sort of a short guy who's Italian American from Long Island, and uh, really, uh, I would say by far the best comedian. Though I, I say I did kind of really like James James Mack's um, darker style. But, uh, but Joe Pontillo, uh, very good. And he's the one I talked to the most afterwards. So I didn't realize they'd be kind of hanging around. Joe Pontillo was selling uh, merch. It said, Joe Pontillo canceled. I'm like, have you ever really been canceled? He's like, no, but I hear you can get a lot of good publicity from it. I'm like, I was canceled. I published this comic book, uh, this magazine in college in 1986. I got canceled. So yeah, I was talking to him, and they were, they were wondering about Nutley. And, I'm, and I was trying to say, I'm like, do you know, you know Fred Allen? <laughs> Which I, I know that's, that's not like something 
no one's going to know Fred Allen anymore, which is such a shame. If, for those of you that don't know Fred Allen, he was an enormous radio star back in the 40s. Uh, enormous. And he had this feud with Jack Benny. So that's what I said to him. Like, uh, you know, Fred Allen, well, he had a feud with Jack Benny. Oh, he's like, well, I know Jack Benny. Somehow Jack Benny has somehow survived in people's minds longer than Fred Allen has. Because Jack Benny had a TV show and everything. and Fred Allen was huge. And um, there is one remnant of Fred Allen's show that you might still encounter, which is the Looney Tunes character, Foghorn Leghorn. Hey, son, that's a joke, son. Totally based on Senator Claghorn from Allen's Alley on the radio show. But anyway, I said to him that Fred Allen would use Nutley, New Jersey as the butt of so many jokes referring to a generic shitty town in the United States. Oh, so people like, uh, you go to some random town like Nutley, New Jersey. So that was Fred Allen's big, you know, people have like butt fuck, you know, what would they say? Buttsville, New Jersey or, you know, what's, what, what other words they use for that sort of a way out place? Um, East Buttfuck or what's, what, what are those? There's there's names for going East Jabib, like, like names for going to towns that are obscure and annoying. But his was all Nutley, New Jersey. So I tried to, so no one, none of them knew of ever heard of Fred Allen, you know, who he was like a comedian. He was a comedian. He was sort of a forebear of their art and <laughs> they never heard of him. Poor Fred Allen. Do we have audio? I know I found audio of him talking about uh, Nutley, New Jersey, but I don't know if I can find it. I remember I found some audio, Fred Allen talking about, imagine being in Nutley, New Jersey in like 1995. He's talking about the future. Man, if I could find it. I know I found it in the past. Fred Allen. Oh, God. Nothing. <laughs> in his, didn't he have a book? Radio is a treadmill to oblivion. Oblivion being forgotten. I remember him. Yeah. And his co-host, and I think it was also his wife or girlfriend, was named Portland Hoffa. Her, name, her first name was Portland Portland Hoffa. Damn, they're finding other Fred Allens that are more current. How about Fred Allen and Groucho Marx trade ad lib? See, this guy was big. I mean, he was 1952. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Marx has found some flaws in the show as it was done. And he's going to do the whole thing over for us. All I want him to do is supply the money, and I'll be glad to do the whole thing over. <laughs> you know what's nice about this place? Nobody can escape while the show is on. No, I, they, they lock the doors. They take the air out of here, too. <laughs> I also remove the balcony. Well, I think the balcony left after the first two contestants. And there was a balcony in here when we started with the show. Now, are these people going to be here every week? Uh, these people are glued to the seats. They know what's the theater. And this is a permanent audience for Red Skelton and for you in the fall. They're, the people are going to wait till you come back in uh, August. Well, I think they're a fine-looking crowd. They sure are. I think this is a better class than you get at your program. Anyway, you get the idea. So you can tell he's like he's like on the same level as like a Groucho Marx. At that time, he was so famous. He is completely. I think it's because of his lack of television exposure. Um, and of course, obviously, these guys are before my time. I was born in '67. These guys were long past relevance by then. But I, of course, 
being in Gen X, I, I had much more exposure to earlier 20th century media than the equivalent younger person now would get. Um, but I've also been a very, very interested in old-time radio, and I did encounter Jack Benny. Interestingly, in reference to Fred Allen, I didn't know at the time, at the supermarket when I was a kid, we had, there were these tapes called Radio Reruns, and there was an episode of Jack Benny where he was imitating Fred Allen going to Allen's Alley. So at that point, I had no idea who Fred Allen was. I had no idea who Jack Benny was, but I got to know them through this tape. And he had these sort of fake versions of the various characters. At, uh, uh, let's go to Benny's Alley, you know. And, you know, like, you know, they had Mrs. Nussbaum, who, was, who had that thick Yiddish accent, the Jewish accent, was one of the characters. You know, a lot of these, you know, the Southern guy. and But, I mean, uh, some of the stuff is people are so sensitive to anything like that today. You can't just look at the past in its context, you know. In fact, um, I think PQ was saying something to the effect of trying to introduce people to um, Jack Benny's show. And Rochester, who was a major character on the show, who's a black guy, people were like, they didn't like the way he's being portrayed and stuff and I don't know. So that's another thing. It makes harder for younger people to look back at the past because everything is going to offend their delicate sensibilities. You know. Yeah, that's true. It could be a, a, a real issue being uh, overly sens- hypersensitive to anything like that. Good luck watching anything before like the 70s <laughs> or the 80s, the 90s. When did all that offensiveness stop? It hasn't really, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah. Then I was also telling them about um, the various people from Nutley. You know, Martha Stewart, uh, Robert Blake, and uh, Annie Oakley, and of course, our biggest celebrity, Tan Mom. I don't know if they really... I, I said, you know, from Howard Stern, Tan Mom. I don't think they kind of... I would think at least comedians would know something about Howard Stern. Tan mom. Yeah, she's a big celebrity from Nutley. Those are, that's about it. And if I ever become a celebrity, I'll be number five, but I doubt I'll, I'll be celebrated to that extent. Except in the far future, when this show gets really popular. Yes. Anyways, uh, I mentioned I had a podcast, and so um, I gave a card to two of them. Who did I give a card to? I gave a card to uh, Joe Pontillo and Crenshaw White. So, if you guys are listening, hello, great show. Thanks for coming out to Nutley. I really enjoyed your show. Thank you. And then they, yeah, they all drove out from Brooklyn, I guess, together in a car just to go out here, the show at the VFW. But yeah, they were good. You know, it was a fun night. And it probably was kind of a tough crowd. And, uh, you know, they did good. Making some of Frank's famous fried tofu for lunch. But the thought struck me that uh, there's a weird parallel to my frivol earlier, Lowercase Gods, and uh, the work of Tolkien, Middle Earth. As I recall, there was uh, Elrond, half-elven, and his brother Elros, and they were given the chance to choose if they wanted to be an elf or a human. Because an elf lives super long time, and humans, of course, die quick, fairly quickly. But 
the advantage of being human in Tolkien's mythology was that as an elf, you know that when you died, you go to the Grey Havens. It's someplace over, over the sea, and there's a place, you just go live in this place. But humans, no one knew where they went after they died. They just didn't know. It could be anything. So I guess that's the idea is that, you know, like as an elf, you would know, oh, I'm going to go to the Grey Havens, whatever that is, and hang out there for eternity. Uh, but humans could go on somewhere else. So the idea I was talking about, which is that these godlike beings kind of not knowing, right, in this system where these humans are patching in from and where they go when they die. It's kind of a similar idea to, to Tolkien. Hey, great minds think alike. Now, come on. I could have been subconsciously influenced by the Tolkien canon. Some wood fried tofu. So my recipe for, here's Frank's famous fried tofu recipe. Get some tofu, cut it up into some blocks. Put some olive oil in a pan. And then put some spices in. This time I just put in this, uh, just the Eden shake from Eden, sesame and sea vegetable seasoning. Then you put in the, uh, the tofu. I usually go for like eight minutes, stir-fry kind of technique. And then I also put in hot sauce and soy sauce. As soon as I put the tofu in, I pour some hot, I, I you know, drizzle hot sauce. Soy sauce, usually Frank's hot sauce. And uh, what's the soy sauce I have here? Just like a, uh, what's this one? Uh, Sanjay tamari, organic tamari soy sauce. And that's it. Cook it for eight minutes. You're done. Done. What a great recipe tofu recipe for you here on this show. Anyway, let's uh, let's dig into lock and chase a little bit more. I want to really sort of figure out all the different ways. If I did become a lock and chase collector, what would I have to get? Lock and chase, this is from Wikipedia, is a maze chase video game developed by Data East and released in arcades in Japan in 1981. By the way, the tofu was very good. I'm still uh, sniffling from the hot sauce. It was licensed to Taito for distribution in North America. Lock and Chase has similarities to Pac-Man, including the goal of collecting dots with the addition of doors that periodically block pathways. Home versions for the Intellivision and Atari 2600 were published by Mattel in 1982 and an Apple II version in January 1983. An updated version was published for the Game Boy in 1990. Right? So you'd have to get all those different versions. Um, See, so yeah, arcade and television, twenty six hundred and uh, Apple II, and yeah, I thought there was. Is that it? Maybe. And then, of course, the Game Boy version. Gameplay: the game's protagonist is a thief. See, they're not calling him Lupin here. Interesting. The object of the game is to enter a maze and collect all the coins, if and if possible, any other treasure that may appear. The thief must then exit the maze, a vault, without being apprehended by the Super D. Policeman. Okay, so Super D is Super Detectives. I, yeah, I, I'm, that is on the uh, attract mode, Super D, Super Detectives. The thief can close doorways within the maze in order to temporarily trap the Super D and allow him to keep his distance from them. Only two doors can be closed at a time. The Super D policemen are named Stiffy, Scaredy, Smarty, and Silly. Coins, depicted as dots, are worth 20 points each. In every level, money bags appear, randomly appear in the center of the maze. Money bags are worth 500, 1,000, 
2,000 and up to 4,000 points, respectively, for each time they appear. Each level also has a specific treasure that appears near the center of the maze, much like the food items in Pac-Man. These treasures include the following items, listed respectively by level, top hat, crown, briefcase, and telephone. But I thought there were more. There's all these question marks. What are the additional ones? Hmm. <clears throat> the first three of these treasures are worth 200 points, 300, and 500 points, respectively. Additional treasure and their point values are revealed as the player completes successive levels. Is there a reference to this, or am I going to have to play on cheat mode and find those extra things? A clone for the Atari 8-bit family was published in 1984 as Money Hungry. In 1990, Data East produced an updated version of Lock and Chase for the N Nintendo Game Boy. I've played that. It's actually pretty good. The original Lock and Chase is included in the Nintendo Wii released Data East Arcade Classics and on the PlayStation Network, both in 2010. The Game Boy version was released on the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console on January 19, 2012. On June 16, 2018, Jason Vasiloff set a world record of 136,140 points at the Fun Spot Family Fun Center in New, Hampshire, in New Hampshire. So, wow, as of 2018, a high score was set. Lock and Chase is one of several Data East games featured in the video game Heavy Burger, which we'll get to in a moment. A remake has been announced for the Intellivision Amico. That's <laughs> another one of these trying to sort of trade on video game nostalgia. Whoever owns the Intellivision uh, IP at this point has been talking about this Amico. Uh, what is it, a gas station or a video game? Or Amico? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's going to ever come out, if it ever comes out. Originally it was supposed to come out in October 2020. But they could have a remake of, uh, of Lock and Chase, which would be good. Why am I talking like Fred Allen all of a sudden? I don't know. Anyway, they mentioned this game, A Heavy Burger, which uh, I remember running across this game. It is, uh, they describe it as, uh, and here's the video, blast, dodge, and charge your way through an army of classic 80s Data East arcade machines. One to four players can battle against time-honored characters in a nostalgia-inducing collage. Nostalgia-inducing collage of retro set pieces from Burger Time, Karate Champ, Lock and Chase, Heavy Barrel, Side Pocket, and Bad Dudes. So there is a whole like you. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Lock and Chase stuff in here. Like you, you. The characters are all like Peter Peppers from uh, Burger Time, but they're shooting in a similar way as Heavy Barrel, I suppose. And uh, they try to get the money, which is the money bag from. Uh, lock and chase, and you can actually go into the lock and chase board and shoot at, shoot the walls out and shoot the detective. It's wild. I gotta get. I don't have this game yet. I'll get it eventually. You know, it's very cool that, that lock and chase has come back in this way. Heavy burger. Someday I'll I'll try out heavy burger. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, as I mentioned, this Yamabushi T-shirt. Should I just buy it now? <laughs> After I've talked about it so much, Yamabushi. I just, I'm scared to buy it because I don't know. Is this like a legitimate website? But I think it is. Yamabushi.com. Is that the website? <coughs> I think it is. Open. Open website, damn it. No. <laughs> yeah, lock and chase t-shirt. So this graphic is, uh, yeah, it's sort of like it has a frame of three levels of orange 
then the lock and chase guy from the ad. So he's a human <coughs> with a top hat. You sort of only see in shadow, and he's wearing a purple jacket and a green vest and blue pants and blue and purple top hat, and he has the briefcase. And then, yeah, he, what he's carrying is says LSD. Then above his head is a number nine, and then there's like evil Arab sheiks, 70s women, skulls, and it says the evil genius. <laughs> it's kind of a cool shirt. I don't know. I sh- I'll, I'll buy it eventually. Listen, I, I said I'm not becoming a lock and chase collector. I just love thinking about the idea of someone being a lock and chase collector. <coughs> you see what I'm saying? It'd be cool to be like really like be the world's foremost lock and chase collector. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a cool T-shirt. Uh, what else do we have here? <coughs> yeah, I was really quite surprised by the M Network version of Lock and Chase here that we were playing earlier. And the, the the art on the front shows Lupin as this weird, like, yellow creature with, like, a magic wand and a ton of magician's top hat. <laughs> the video game art is so wild. I don't know why I don't remember this at all. I don't really – I'm not getting it. And they, and they do the N, lock and chase, with apostrophe and apostrophe. And it's represented in so many different ways. That's the correct way because an apostrophe – or single close quote represents the missing letters of the word and. <clears throat> yeah, but apparently this was not a super rare game, so I'm not sure why there's kind of a lack of... I mean, could it be possible that Lock and Chase didn't even exist in the timeline I lived in in the 80s and it just sort of was added in? Because I don't know specifically that I encountered Lock and Chase at all, which is weird because I was so into all things arcade and home video game back then, but it could have just missed it. Yeah, right. Here is another great collectible, uh, an actual Plexi Marquee, the U.S. release of Lock and Chase with that logo where they only have one apostrophe before the end, but and a rudimentary super de- <coughs> detective and uh, <coughs> loop and art. Only $35 here on, uh, on eBay. If I was a Lock and Chase collector, I definitely would need to get this, and I probably would need the Japanese Marquee as well. This looks like in great shape and it's a great price, but I'm not a lock and chase collector yet. <coughs> Here's a great little lock and chase uh, keychain, coin door accessory. So it's sort of a similar artwork. Uh, you can have your own little uh, your own little keychain for lock and chase. What else do we have here? Here's a great, this one, I, I'm actually thinking of getting this one, but I'm not a lock and chase collector. Beautiful two by three inch fridge magnet showing the marquee and the bezel and the screen, including the very cool um, antique car on the upper left of the bezel, which I think is so cool. It's like red and green and yellow tires. Love that. That'd be very cool to have as a collector. You'd really need some of these fan made magnets as well. <laughs> what else do we, that's the Yamabushi. And of course, as I mentioned, the Evercade cartridge, you'd have to have that because even though Peter Pepper is prominently on the cover from Burger Time, they do show, do they even show Lock and Chase on the cover at all? I mean, come on. They have to show a little bit of, why am I not seeing a single Lock and Chase? There it is, way in the back, yeah. That's cool, you know. We have... uh, 
On Etsy, you can get a similar large scale 8 by 10 inch metal plate with, again, you have the marquee, the bezel, and the game itself. Um, I think it'd be cool if they showed the car, because you do see him riding in on the car on the bottom of the screen. Let's see. That's a cool thing to have. And we also have what would be the most expensive uh, lock and chase items. This is this is BS, by the way. Here's someone selling a shrink-wrapped copy of the M-Network Atari VCS version of Lock and Chase for $1,424. Are you kidding? I saw another listing for the same exact type of thing, shrink-wrapped copy, for $15. There's no chance in hell this is worth that much, in my opinion. And then for $850, Intellivision Dr. Pepper Visor, Lock and Chase Certificate and Shirt. Very rare. So it's one of the, it's a visor, and it says, Dr. Pepper, the taste... Made a pepper out of me in television lock and chase competition winner. So I guess only the winners in the competition got these visors. Eight fifty, though um, you can get buttons of this for fairly cheap. Then we have people trying to sell shrink wrap copies of the Intellivision version for six hundred dollars, six hundred eighty one dollars. It's ridiculous because someone here has a graded version, uh, eight point five graded version of lock and chase in television. That's only two ninety nine. Here's a 9.4 for 2.49. I understand shrink-wrapped video games are sort of like a Wild West kind of thing in the world of collecting, but there's no way that I don't think they're worth this much money. And here's someone completely delusional selling Lock and Chase Nintendo Game Boy Complete for $250. These are not these prices are what people are asking, not what people are paying. So for here, for example, you can get a uh, uh, six copies of Lock and Chase in the original shrink wrap. And in the original cardboard box they shipped to toy stores for one eighty six. I don't know why people why are people selling lock two hundred dollars for the cartridge? People are insane. Here's a graded twenty six hundred uh nine nine copy from Telegames, a Telegames version, which is actually rarer than the M Network version, only for one ninety nine, graded uh nine point oh. Right? M network copy, graded. Shrink wrap, $9.95. What's this person with $1,400? I don't know. Again, people selling the Game Boy cartridge. I, I think they're probably hoping that people are stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Here's even a Japanese Lock and Chase Game Boy, $60, you know? And here's a Lock and Chase Deco JAMA adapter, the actual circuit board. Only for, You'd have to buy that as a collector. You'd really want that. And here's Robin Banks, a... Uh, a version for the Atari 5200 is sort of a fan. We have to look at the different fan-made versions. Robin Banks. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a clone. It was put out in 2022, it looks like. But in, as an actual 5200 cartridge. Listen, you'd have to buy all this stuff as well. I mean, you'd have to spend thousands of dollars collecting everything related to Lock and Chase. But normally, the only reason you'd do that if, is if you had a, like, if there was a Lock and Chase at your local arcade that you were really into. I don't have any period memories of Lock and Chase, which does seem weird. But here's one thing that I would absolutely have on the wall, a framed version of that ad from uh, in television that the artwork for that Yamabushi T-shirt comes from. Lock and Chase. Lock out the police and grab the gold before the police grab you. Mattel Electronics in television. Classic ad, beautiful ad. <coughs> 
Oh, so there is. Uh, he's holding a. It's not a briefcase. It's a little money bag with a money sign. So that's the S of LSD in the Yamabushi art. Okay, that makes sense now. It makes sense. Really. It does. Yeah, that one, I, I would definitely I would definitely get that were I collector. Though I'm resisting the sense of collecting lock and chase. Though it does seem cool to obsess on a fairly obscure video game from 1981. Look, here's the Japanese lock and chase Game Boy cart, which will work fine on your American Game Boy. Five bucks. That's a more realistic price. Please. <clears throat> so let's look up Lock and Chase Homebrews. These are fan-made video games that run on the systems after the fact. <clears throat> Here we have L- Lucky Chase, a modern version of Lock and Chase. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I was watching this video. So this is this is so this is so we know that there is a 2600 version, but I guess in recent years someone who knows how to program for the VCS 2600, created a much better version than the one that was released in the past. Yeah, very impressive. See, people do care about Lock and Chase. Well, I, 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 I do. Oh, there's the guy playing the game. Okay, all right, fine, shut up. <laughs> Sorry. And there's Lock and Chase for the ColecoVision, which never released on ColecoVision, but someone created it. Right? <clears throat> Homebrew translation from 2012. The following game is being played on. Shut up. Lock and Chase, ColecoVision. Police officers will try to get behind you and come up to catch you. Oh, that's the original game. Let's see. It's a pretty cool game set. Really available. He'll have them on there. That's good. Here we go. The ColecoVision version. Oh, there's the car. He's driving the car. Nice. You gotta have the car. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> that would have been a great game on ColecoVision in, 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 back in the day. Get all the gold coins. Oh, get the bag. Get the money bag. It's hard to get. It. It'll freeze them for a second or two. Yeah, that's all it does. It just freezes them for a second or two. There's, oh, there's more versions, too. Um, Lock and Chase Revenge of Lupin by Intelligent Vision. So this is the one where they use the name Lupin. And there's this... Uh, I don't even know what time period this is from. One month ago? They, the name Lupin was put in there. Yeah. Cool. This is a sequel video game to the Intellivision version. See, I can't really... Com- I don't know the Intellivision version very well. As you can probably tell, I'm, I'm sort of dawning realization that I don't think this game existed in the reality I lived in, honestly. I don't know. I could be... I'm probably mistaken, but you know what I'm saying. I, I... I don't know. I think I'd have more encounters with this game had had it really existed. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> uh, are those all the... I think those are most of the... Most of the homebrew versions. Revival Chase? 2013... Interesting. Revival Chase. Super CD-ROM. What is this? Oh, for the PC Engine. Jeez. That's the uh, Turbo Graphics. Wow. That's another homebrew. So many homebrews for Lock and Chase. Yeah. 
But when I look at Lock and Chase, the original for Intellivision, which seemed to be the uh, the premier home version that they really made a big deal about. <clears throat> Again, I, I didn't have a, an Intellivision back in the day, but I did get one eventually, and I don't remember anything about Lock and Chase. You know what I'm saying? What incredible uh, art on the cover. It's, it's sort of this uh, montage of cops and robbers, like Keystone Cops type guys, and this rob this classic robber wearing a derby hat and one of those robber masks. And there's like a, a crown and stuff. Derby hat, is that the right thing? This was the real one that came out in 82. See, this very much looks like, yeah, I have no memory of this. Not that I had it. My friends had in television. But I have no memory of this. And I, I, this whole angle that I don't really remember it, I, I, I kind of wasn't even thinking about that. But I'm just now reflecting on, you know, how obsessed I've been with video games all my life. And how could I have missed this? How could this have not been kind of prominent? And I mean, I'm so obsessive, and I do remember everything about the classic arcade era. Could it really be that this game was injected into the past at some point? Probably not. I understand that. This is actually a pretty good version, much better than the 2600 version. <clears throat> but this doesn't. This looks completely unfamiliar, as m much as I've obsessed, even obsessed on in television over the years. There's something going on here. <laughs> There's something going on. I I, I know that I kind of got latched onto it because of that Yamabushi shirt or whatever. I, I mean, there's something going on here. I'm telling you. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, yeah. And then they have pins for that contest. And let me see what else we can find here. Lock and chase. Right. Ooh, what is this? Oh, an ad for the Deco cassette system version. Wow. That is a wild image. It's sort of this weird pink creature, the Lupin character, driving his car. I don't know if they ever made any figurines or anything of Lupin in his car. I would love that. Let me, let me see. Any, any uh, potential other products we can get? Any collectibles? Do they have any uh, Funko Pops of, of Lupin? Uh, that, I, I might actually buy that one. I might buy that, that Funko Pop if they ever made it. No, I don't want to say it. I still haven't. I still have a perfect record of not buying a single one. Yeah, I mean, like, if you if you used to lock and chase in Google Shopping, it's the the two editions of the twenty six hundred version in television, the Game Boy version, Japanese Game Boy version. Um. Yeah. Oh, and you can buy a bezel in paper paper version of the bezel, I guess, for your arcade machine for $45. What else? Mattel, a poster. Oh, look at this. With the whole... Every, every single one has completely different artwork of the characters. <clears throat> That's just really interesting. It's a very different game. Mattel, 1982. That is so cool. It's a completely different artwork, again, with, like, Keystone Cops and stuff. 1982 Lock and Chase in Television video game poster. That is so cool. $45. Listen, I, I, I think if I was a collector, a Lock and Chase collector, I think I'd be out of money at this point. There's so many things to buy. But at least you can buy them over the course of time. A t-shirt, of course, you can buy different t-shirts with Lock and Chase on it. The Telegames version, of course, which is much more rare. 
a control panel, the control panel for the arcade machine. Um, just browsing the shopping here. <coughs> the manual for the some of the versions. <coughs> hmm. So what about those extra prizes? This is going to drive me nuts. I think I'm just going to have to... It shouldn't take too long, right, to uh, go on uh, cheat mode and kind of just see what there is to see. Let's, let's, let's go back into the emulator and play the original Lock and Chase. See, see what we can see here. I'll pause until I get to a good part. All right. Let me turn the sound down a little bit here. So I turned on uh, yeah, cheat mode invincibility. So I cannot die. They can't hurt me. I am a rock. I am... Yep, they just go right through me. Yeah, if you have MAME, you can just download a cheat file and just play to your heart's content. You don't have to worry about dying. I love, I love playing with cheat mode. It is uh, essential. So the first level here is like a top hat, right? And then, look at that mini bag. I think I can make it. Come on, yes. You have to make it before that little song ends. And they show you the graphics on the right, the different little icons of each level. See, by cheating, I'll be able to... See, I got, I got a top hat. I'll be able to do it, whereas I'm not good enough at the game to actually play for that long. But I can't lose. Cheating. I've hacked the system like those gods in the... Uh, the story I came up with. Hacker gods. The cyber mages. No? So the next level is... What is it? It is the crown, right? Yeah. See, there's a great sense of you can't die. But then you could never really... You never can never really get a high score because it wouldn't be legitimate. And you'd never die. But you could, you, you could eventually turn off invincibility if you really wanted to get a high score and then just just allow yourself to die so there's the crown yeah I was thinking that uh, of course as a collector you would need the the holy grails would be uh, original arcade machines of lock and chase and in the, the best form obviously there'd be an American and Japanese version I don't know if there was ever any cocktail editions or cabaret editions, and um, the deco cassette edition I, may be a completely different edition, right, than the original. So you'd have to find all of the original arcade versions and have them all as the lock and chase collector. Well, I guess discovering that it's it's a it's a game that was inserted into reality would be a good reason to collect it. Oh come on, that's cr that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. I like when Lupin starts laughing. See, he's laughing, but he keeps stealing money, but he can never stop stealing money. Eventually, he just gets killed by the super detectives and then just dies. Why is he laughing? He's stuck in a video game like that poor little uh, clown girl in that super fun circus, whatever. There's a briefcase. What do they call it? In one of, A valise? Is that, is, that, is that like a British term for a suitcase? A valise? I'm not familiar with that, but maybe it is. So they're stacked up on the right, the uh, the little icons. So the top hat is still there. 
You can get another one here. Come on. Yes. Oh, I missed it. So, but it seems like there's... How are they going to stack? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not enough room for all of them, I don't think. So we know the next one is a telephone, but then afterwards it, it's a completely mystery. This is the final mystery of Lock and Chase to clear up. Lupin. So does Lupin just mean thief in Japanese or something? <clears throat> Here we go. Get away from these super detectives. They're shit out of luck when I am in cheat mode. So yeah, <coughs> there's the red telephone, yes. Alright, we've got the red telephone. In my house, I could have the shrine to lock and chase. Every possible collectible. Could I even get it signed by the guy that created the video game or something? Maybe there is someone like that. Maybe people are already collecting collectors of lock and chase. Or maybe they specialize in data e stuff. I mean, obviously, in all these discussions, you know, I should mention that the sister game to this, running on the same system, is a far bigger game known as Burger Time, and Peter Pepper is a far bigger character. And they even had a sequel called Peter Pepper's Ice Cream Factory that only was available on the cassette system and also was a big pile of shit, to be quite honest. I played it on the emulator. Freaking Peter Pepper. I think probably Heavy Burger is better than Peter Pepper's Ice Cream Factory crap. All right, we're in. here we go. What's the next one going to be? We're going to see it. Finally going to see it. It is. Come on. It is a little... Pocket watch, okay. A little pocket watch, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like a clock and it has that little nub thing on the top, like a little gold pocket watch. Kind of makes sense. Ooh, got an ex I got an extra lupin for all for my very skillful play here. <laughs> and that theme definitely would stand out in an arcade. Like you, you just keep hearing that sort of in the background with all the other games. There's that project called the Arcade Ambience Project. I play something of it on the other side occasionally, where someone created the sound of being in an arcade at several different time periods. And I'm sure this game is in there. Uh, right, classic arcade sounds. All right, I can. Oh, I could almost get that one. Let's get going here. All right. It's exciting. We're seeing all the different icons. I should take a screenshot too after this. The next one's a camera. It's an actual camera. It's weird. Coloration is a gray body, green top, and a blue lens, and a red rim on the lens, and a yellow button. It's a camera. I don't know how many people could possibly get to this level other than super dedicated gamers, because this game is pretty tough, I mean, when you get right down to it. All right, let me get that damn money bag. He's so happy he got money. But he can't spend it, because he can never get out of the maze. I'll never get out of this maze. Never get out of this maze. Never get out of this maze. Of course, it's referencing the fish song, Maze. And I'm obviously not even doing the door thing because I don't need to. I'm invulnerable. I don't need to put up doors. And get money. But it just, it, it doesn't really, it just freezes them momentarily. It doesn't really do much. So you can't really fight back against the cops, you know. All right, what's the next one going to be? Come on. This is so great. We're seeing all these icons. 
Ah, a pair of glasses, eyeglasses. It looks like eyeglasses as opposed to sunglasses. Can you imagine if you had the same curiosity as I have, but it was in the arcade days? You would have to dedicate so much time to get good at this game, to, to see all these icons, to become the true guru of the lock and chase. I'm telling you. Is that, is that it? There's no more room. So I don't know if that's it or they're going to start another row. Or is that is that the last one? Well, let me see. Let me, let me wait till some glasses come up. I can wait all day. I, there's nothing stopping me. I, right? I mean, can I hang out over here? Are the glasses going to come up again or are they only come up a few times? Maybe it only comes up once. It's weird. So at one, two, three, four. No, I think there's more actually based on the graphic. <laughs> let's see. All right, there's no more room, so let's see what happens next. This is exciting. This is round eight now. Oh, it, it continues up. Oh my God, it's a flashlight or a torch, as they would say in Britain. It's a flashlight, and it and it continues above the two tunnels. Oh, wow, that's so groovy. That's super groovy. Oh, look at that, a flashlight. Let me get the flashlight, damn it. Oh, it went away. Yes, we're going to do the whole sequence here. I'm really scouring my memories. I have any memory of this game from growing up. Uh, I mean, I might have been aware of the television version, but I don't, I don't know if that's a true memory. But the games, uh, the uh, 2600 version and the television version, do not look familiar to me in the least. Like, I don't think I ever encountered them, which is very strange. I know, I know I've been talking about it. It's just, it's weird. All right, what's next after the flashlight? Did they put something like really weird in because no one's going to get to this level? It's a key, an old style like church key kind of thing. It's a green key. All right, this is so cool. Imagine like when that, when that, when that guy was doing the high score run, he, like, I'm only at 30,000 at this point. That guy would have did 100 something thousand, I mean. Wow. I wonder if there's patterns for this like there was for uh, Pac-Man. And of course, Ms. Pac-Man got rid of the patterns by adding a randomization, which I'm assuming is based on a, an RNG that has to do with uh, the amount, measuring the amount of microseconds between button presses to uh, achieve uh, pseudo-random numbers. All right, let's see what's next after the green key. This is so good. How, how far does it go? So this is now round 10 coming up, and it's a heart. The classic heart-shaped heart. The super detectives are wondering what's, what's up. Why can't we catch this freaking thief? He has help from 
the cyber gods with the cheat code. Yeah. And this game, of course, is it shares similarities and a time period with the game uh, Ladybug by Universal. That was Universal's Pac-Man clone that I had that and played the hell out of it on ColecoVision. That was a good game. And it even had gates in it, like this game does. But different kind of gates. They just sort of moved when you went through them. This is now round 11. And we have... Uh-oh, I think we've reached the end of the icons. It's just a heart again. So maybe that was it. There were 10 icons. And, uh, yeah. I wonder what happens when you reach round 99. Is there a round 100? I'm not going to sit around and do that, but it's interesting to kind of... This is a kind of hacking, I suppose, where you just... A cheat code turned off, you know, the collision uh, detector in the code, so... You could just do it. So, yeah, that's it, the heart. The heart is worth... should be worth 5,000 points, right? That That's sort of what they uh, they show on the attract mode, right? I missed the heart this time, but I'm going to get the heart next time and see if it's 5,000 points. So that'll be round 12. Okay. I'm going to hang out by, by, by where the, uh, the bonus item goes, just so I can make sure to get it. See if it's 5,000. Where is it? Now, does it come out by time or percentage of dots eaten? Or gold coins picked up, what have you. Hmm. That's interesting. It's not coming out. Maybe it is about a percentage. I don't want to get too far away because I don't, I, I don't want to miss it. Yeah, the heart it didn't come out yet. There it is. There it is. Okay, come on. Come on. Come on. No! Oh! oh, my God. It just appeared so briefly. Ugh. <laughs> And then I guess it doesn't show up again, right? Yeah. It only shows up once for like two seconds. That's insane. There it is again. No, it's, there's another one. There's another one. Come on. No. All right. I'm just going to wait for it now. I'm right around the corner. One of the spots where you can stop. I'm going to try to be patient. See if it comes back. It's so weird. It's not coming back. So it shows up twice maybe? Uh it may have something to do with percentages of dots eaten. Uh, can we, like, crack the code and look inside? I don't know. Uh, let's, let's try another round. Yeah, so I'm just going to be round 13. We're almost done. I just want to get a heart. And I also have to do a screenshot. Let me, let me try to do a screenshot. Uh, paint. Yeah, paste it in there. Yeah, let me just save this uh, image with all the icons. Because, come on, who has this? Something like, come on, who has all the icons? I do. Let's see, did that save properly as a PNG file? Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, untitled.png. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. But there's room for so many more icons. Why didn't they give us more? I don't know. 
Alright, let me get through this level and then try to get that heart. I think I missed out on the heart this time around, but... Well, this would be a good test because I delayed for a while, so... There it is, there it is, come on! Oh, God, it's, it's so hard to get the heart. It almost seems like it's teasing you. There it is, there, there it is! God, God damn it, it's so annoying! It only shows up when you're too far away to get it, get to it? Could it be impossible to get the heart? I mean... Because I was trying to stay close to it, it never showed up. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> the one last thing I want to achieve, I can't achieve it yet. There's no cheat code for that. For matters of the heart. Maybe I should... That, that Rush song, Closer to the Heart. And the men who hold high places must be the ones to start to mold a new reality closer to the heart. The blacksmith and the artist each must do his part to mold a new creativity Closer to the heart. I'm telling you, I, I, I am like staying right around that spot and it's not showing up. This is so frustrating. Come on. I'm trying to see if it's a percentage of dots. I'm trying to stay in this area. There it is, there it is. Go, go, go. Damn it! I was like one second away from getting it. That's so frustrating. It disappeared the moment I went over it. Right, I, I don't know. Let me just sit here, motionless, and see what happens. Uh, maybe I'm just being impatient. I don't know. No, it's not coming. <laughs> this is so frustrating. Urgh. The money bags, but uh, no, no hearts. There it is, there it is. Come on, no, my god. All right, I think next next round I'm gonna go up, up top and get more, try to clear more up top and then come back down. Maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that'll crack the code. Then I can stop playing. I'm already on round 14 here. The cops are, they, they cry when, when, when uh, Lupin escapes. All right, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go up top for a little while, then come back down to try and get that heart. <laughs> it's getting very annoying. All right. I think, there it is. I don't think I'm going to make it this time. No, but. It usually comes up again soon after this. So I'm going to just stop there. It really may be a teasing thing where it, 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 it only shows up when you're far too far away to, to get back to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here. I can sit here forever because, you know. But there, yeah, there is, uh, there are some gates here that are closing. Yeah, the heart's just not showing up. Yeah. There it is. Got it. 5,000 points. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I got it. Okay, so now... Okay, round 15. Let me turn invincibility off and see how long I can last. Not long. <laughs> Look at this. Alright, let's play for real here. This is this is like a high level of, of uh, you know lock and chase at this point. Now I'm playing for real. No, <laughs> he sort of melts and then his hat melts. Yeah, it'd be cool to kind of catalog in all the different artwork, like what Lupin looks like in all the artwork. It's such a such a I, I don't know. If there's any video game characters that have so many different representations in art. That look totally different. There you can hear his car going. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it out of level 15. It's just too, uh... No! I did not. But I got my high score, 52,340. And what did that guy get? Like 134,000? I can't even imagine. Oh, let me put in my high score. I'm so proud. Yes. He's laughing with glee. Stiffy, really? Is Stiffy a good name for a super detective? Isn't that isn't that another like uh, euphemism for like a boner <laughs> an erection a stiffy? <laughs> the hell? Copyright Deco, nineteen eighty one. Five best players. Number one, Sneaky Titi, fifty two. Yeah, baby. I did it. Good. It is later on now. And yeah, I realized I did mix up Jimmy Durante and um, W.C. Fields. A bit of a mix-up there. I apologize for that. All right. Once again, it's a bit later, and I, I found more information. An actual TV commercial for Lock and Chase on the Intellivision. Check this out. I'm playing Rock and Chase, a video game cartridge you have to buy separately to play on the Intellivision video game system. Why are you talking like that? They always do. Then they say your parents have to hook it up to the TV. After that, you can start to pick up gold. Trouble is, the police are coming, so you have to keep both eyes on the game. Oh, brother. Do they say that too? Funny. Intellivision Master Component from Intellelectronics. Lock and Chase video game cartridge sold separately. Is that the kid from uh, from E.T.? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is the kid from E.T., Henry Thomas. That is so weird because just this morning I recorded my segment for Overnight Escape Central 80s movies and I talked about E.T. Yeah. Wild stuff, I'm telling you. Was is a, a video that compares all the different versions of Lock and Chase. Look at this. 2600, Mattella Television, Apple II, and Nintendo Game Boy. Look at this. They're playing all four, all the games at once. Wow. I'm telling you, people are really into this. Not just me. I'm not the only one that's into this game. Come on. What is with all this obsession on Lock and Chase? Another commercial for Lock and Chase? Hey! Mystery Television. Plimpton. I bet it's great doing all those Intellivision commercials. I bet you get to keep all the games. Me and my friends like Night Stalker the best. 
That's a real scary. It's a good game, Night Stalker. Lock and chase. They won't believe this. Would you autograph it for me? Certainly. Whoa, I was just... My name? I was just talking about getting video game cartridges autographed. Wow, more in more uh, synchronicities. Wow, he has a big page about uh, every all things uh, lock and chase. See the the Taito cabinet is really fairly. But there's yes, there's the other cabinet. There's the Japanese cabinet. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. Oh, that's the one I want. I want the Japanese arcade cabinet. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's just. Multicolored with reds and yellows and blues and oh god, that's a beautiful thing, really. What is it? A gift? That's why I can't see the picture. It's a yeah, it's a gift that goes back and forth. That's some beautiful graphics of the lock and chase Japanese version. Everything I love the marquee better. I love all the Japanese graphics better. Listen, that's the one for me. Yeah. Right. It's later out now. Later on now, it is dark out. But yeah, uh, the book about arcologies, spelled A R C O L O G Y, not A R C H, uh, is a book called. Ar- There's a book called Arcology: The City and the Image of Man. And uh, this apparently was reprinted as in the 50th anniversary edition. Looks like that was 2019. Available, sort of a spiral bound uh, for $95. But let's see what the original is going for from 1969. I know that one goes for pretty penny. Oh, no, 75 well, You can get the original for even cheaper. Wow. They're saying 73 A hardcover for 345 Five used from 138 Paperback. Eight U's from 149, and then the spiral bound. Six U's from 99. All right, I'm getting confused here. But anyway, uh, there is a place to read this whole book online for free somehow. It's called the Library of Consciousness. Um, and the page I found was organism.earth slash library slash document slash archaeology. And this appears to be the entire book just on one web page, which is pretty interesting. And, uh, I mean, the main, the big, I mean, I haven't read this book, but the big thing is the images of the various arcologies that they're creating. Just these incredible visions of a different kind of city architecture. Um, Babel Canyon. Let's see all the different arcologies they have here. It's very hard to describe, but it's sort of a city built sort of at once. Arc Village 1. And by the way, this is one of my favorite topics, the utopian architecture of the 60s, Logology, Babel 11B or whatever, 2B, Babel 2C. And they have all these blueprints of these things. It's really fascinating. So, yeah, if you want to see it, you should go to this page. Arc Canyon. Let me see if there's like a, a synopsis of this whole thing. Arcology is Paolo Soleri's concept of cities which embodies the fusion of architecture with ecology. In his book, Arcology, the City and the Image of Man, 1969, Soleri proposes a highly integrated and compact three-dimensional urban form that is the opposite of urban sprawl, 
with its inherently wasteful consumption of land, energy, resources, and time, and tendency to isolate people from each other and the community. Miniaturization creates the urban effect, the complex interaction between diverse entities and individuals, which mark healthy systems both in the natural world and in every successful and culturally significant city in history. So, yeah. It's a sort of a bold image. I don't know if it's ever been kind of realized in a sort of a, a in special effects in a movie or something. I don't know if they ever use an arcology in a movie. And I'm not describing it properly, but it's you know, and I'm sure anything that's utopian, a lot of people will view as dystopian. But I do kind of believe in the potential for utopian visions that aren't necessarily evil in disguise, though I know people have been sort of programmed to any hint of a planned system or anything. It's just people, I think, have been have this knee-jerk reaction to think that there's something sinister underneath. Maybe there is, but I don't know. Oh, this is cool. It's almost like a giant cooling tower. What is this one? This is the uh, Babel 2D. The Tower of Babel. Yeah. Probably don't name it after a building that was shot down by God. You know, just just saying. If you want to, just like if you want if you want to have a uh, if you want to build a shopping center, don't name it Xanadu after a famously unfinished uh, mansion in Citizen Kane. You know what I'm saying? Or a famously unfinished poem by Samuel Coleridge Taylor. I think. If you remember, they they named what is now American Dream entertainment complex here in New Jersey. Xanadu at first, because there was a Xanadu in. Maybe it still is there. Is it still there in, um, is it Madrid? Is it in, the original Xanadu still there? But like, don't tempt fate by naming it after. Like, it's imagine someone, oh, let's make a new boat. Let's call it the Titanic. You know, you're just not going to do that. Even though I have, I, I did see a boat, I think, called the Titanic in Italy. But you know, like, you're just sort of tempting fate at that point. You know what I'm saying? Centro Comercial into Zanadu. Yeah. Is it Madrid, right? Yeah. Is it Madrid? I don't think I've ever been to Spain. No, it's in Toledo. Wait, no, it's in Madrid, sorry. Toledo, Spain, not Toledo, Ohio. Into Zanadu. Let's see if, can you like, is there like a street view? And it's, yeah, it's like a big mall. There's Zanadu, just like our Zanadu here. See, they have the snow. The snow, the the indoor snow uh, ski slope, yeah, baby. I I I want to go to that one. I want to go to the one in Spain once. Yeah, look, it seems like there's a street view inside. Yeah, you can walk all around. Oh my God, look, here's the <laughs> here's Xanadu in Spain. Oh my God, yay! Look at this. How did I get to the? Oh, because I said don't. If you're gonna make a city, don't name it. Don't. If you're gonna build a tower, don't call it Babel. You know, give it a new name that wasn't destroyed by some supernatural entity in the past. You know what I'm saying? Madrid Zanadu. They seem to be doing all right, though. One of these street views. This is cool. You can walk around through the mall. Uh, these are taken in May 2021, these uh, interior shots. Yeah, cool. It looks more like a normal mall than our Xanadu, or our known as American Dream now. But anything interesting in the mall here? 
Jack and Jones. <laughs> Is everything in English? Is there any uh, Hedonai? Bienvenidos. El Kiwoko. Dorcia Clinicas. Ava Fertility Clinics. Wow, what's that cool? There's like a train in the... Oh, there's like a cool... Uh, oh, it's one of those trains that travels through the mall. Kind of reminds me of my night station concept. What is this? Like a toy store? How about the El Corte Inglés? <laughs> what? English court? El Corte Inglés? What is it? A food court with food from England or something? Amor de Madre. Mother's Love? Is that what that means? Hypercop. Wait, what? Hypercop? What is that? Sort of like Robocop? Oh, maybe it's Hypercore. Hypercore. <laughs> There's an ATM called Bankia. It's cool. You can just wander around a mall in Spain on Google Maps. Why not? Home and Cook. Same thing, Spanish is a language I could sort of pick up the easiest because I do have the most basis in that. I can't, I certainly would not be fluent in it, but I, I think if I was in there for a few months, I could, I could go all the way and know Spanish. I probably should. I mean, it's a good language to know. I mean, Geographical Norway, that's the name of a store. It's very dreamlike. Hug and Clow. It's a big mall. How do you go to the second level, though? You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you go up the escalators on this map? I don't know. Lola Ray using that Mistral font. Yeah. Ooh, the dishwasher. You can hear it. Snipes. I, they had that store around here. I like the, I like the concept of English court. Oh, here's some escalators. Can I go up? <laughs> no, I keep going straight. Or did it did, did it take me up? No, it didn't. Okay. You know what I mean? Google Maps, like how can you... I know sometimes they show maps that you can... On the uh, map view, you can actually uh, uh, choose the levels, right? But I don't know if they have it on this one. They do, actually. They have level 0 and level 1. Wow. So, will the street view take me to level two? I don't know. This is asking a bit much. What is that sound? Music? Oh, maybe it's from upstairs. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? What is there, a cool indoor artificial river here? There is. I like cool indoor artificial rivers. The cooler and more indoor, the better. And the more artificial, the better. True American barbecue. Steak and ribs house. Foster's Hollywood? What is that? Atlantis Aquarium. Oh, there's an aquarium here. Wow. Yeah, a lot of malls have aquariums, even here in Jersey. Woodbridge has one, and uh, American Dream has one as well. <clears throat> is it a glorified aquarium, or is it more? I don't know. They don't really have dolphins or seals or anything in there. They're not going to, like, force, like, super intelligent mammals into a mall. Well, except humans, of course. 
So I was looking at that uh, Japanese, um, uh, you know, the version of the arcade cabinet from Japan, which I think may be, if we take a look at it here, it, it looks like it may be the generic cabinet for the deco cassette system. Because the graphics don't look, there's like an 88. Uh, it doesn't look like it's specifically made for lock and chase, but the lock and chase marquee has a similar color scheme. And that to me, there's so many different lock and chase cabinets, but this Japanese one with the multicolor like checkerboards and 88 on the side, that is beautiful. So I know there's places that make miniature arcade machines, and just on a whim, I started a quick search and didn't find anything, but I did find this. Uh, it, this is the the mini vending machine I've been looking for. Um, it is a snack vending, as a mini snack vending machine uh, that has a backlight, and so it is so cool looking. It's the exact thing I've been looking for. I may have to buy this. It's thirty eight dollars from Diorama Vania. <laughs> what are they like, Diorama experts in Pennsylvania or? Transylvania or one of those vanias. Let's see. The th there's here some reviews. Five stars. The 3D effect on the products behind the glass plastic on this vending machine is neat. Just a note that if you buy this with the soda machine, they are not scaled this, the same. The soda machine is significantly larger. I don't need a soda machine. I need a snack vending machine. Yeah, I mean... This is what I've been looking for. I mean, who doesn't need a miniature vending machine? What's it, How big is it, though? What's the scale? Let's see. Uh, it says it's a Half-Life snack vending machine. What's oh, from the from the video game's Half-Life? I don't know. Is it is it really from Half-Life? That's kind of. I don't know why that's kind of turning me off. <laughs> um, why would it? Why would it be from Half Life, the video game? Uh, I don't know. Why, why would it be? I mean, hmm. I mean, I guess in Half Life there are vending machines. But they don't look like this. I'm, oh, the Mesa. Yes. Black Mesa, it, yes, it is from Black Mesa. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right, I kind of lost interest in it now. <laughs> I wanted to be based on a real vending machine, not a video game vending machine. Thank you. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not again. I've played Half Life and Half Life Two. I'm not against those games, but I don't want a vending machine from them. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm very particular with my miniature vending machine needs. Thank you. Oh, if there was a product like that only without the video. I want it to be a real vending machine. Anyway, I just saved $38. Yay! As I say, a penny saved is a penny earned. Yeah, baby. That's a lot. It's 3,800 pennies, for God's sakes. It's a lot of pennies earned. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, here on New Jersey, on Earth. Am I on New Jersey or in New Jersey? I'm kind of on it. I'm kind of on top of it. Uh, yeah, here on Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. Is this like election day or something? 
I don't know. I don't think there's really a lot of elections today. But I, I guess one year from now, approximately, will be the big presidential election. Who's going to win? Is it going to be Biden versus Trump? Or is it going to be uh, Haley versus, uh, what's the guy from California's name? Uh, the guy who tripped down the stairs just like Ger- Gerald Ford. Uh, you know the guy I'm talking about. I can't even remember his name. I don't know if he's presidential material. Newsom. Newsom versus Haley. Uh, I don't know. Who is going to be? I wonder if that guy, uh, Steve Saylor, is still running. Who the hell am I going to vote for? I don't know. I would vote for a candidate if they represented some values that I really agreed with. Anyway, let's not worry, though. We have a whole other year for that stuff. And I'm sure not a day will go by that we don't hear headlines about it. Anyways, we're here in the uh, Onsug Radio. It's inside the book. And um, let's go to onsug.com for all of the information you need. You can buy the book. A new edition should be coming this month. I've been working on it. We shall see. Uh, if it's not this month, it'll be soon. Got to get that new print edition. I think it'll be this month. I got to really get moving on that. I didn't haven't done much work on it in the past few days, um, but I should keep working on it. Yeah, if you go to onsug.com, you can hear all the latest shows, and uh, you can participate in a show called Overnight Escape Central. New topic put out each week by Mister P Q River. Let me just make sure I sent my entry to him. Over, overnight escape. Did you recently sign into Etsy? What do they think? I'm some sort of scam artist. I'm the real. I'm the real Frank. Please. I sent it to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Frank Central '80s movies. Yeah, 8 a.m. I sent that. Okay. Anyways, a new topic each week. To this week was '80s movies, and who knows what next week's will be? But you are invited to participate. Please listen to the latest episode of Overnight Escape Central at onsug.com, and you will find your information on how to participate. We'd love to hear your voice and your point of view on the various topics. Thank you so much. Onsug Radio is a radio station inside a book with over 14,000 hours of content. It is a non-commercial project. It is uh, all of this. We We are very focused on preservation of these shows so that people on into the far future can listen. And so I think you'll, and also I think you'll find the style that we have, uh, as you've heard on this show, is a bit different than what you would normally hear in a podcast. All those add up to a very unique uh, situation. Now that you know about Onsug Radio, it's something that'll be here uh, for you for the rest of time to uh, check out, listen to. There's so many avenues to explore in this archive, so many different hosts to get to know. It's all at Onsug.com. There's a link to the Onsug Radio archive on the Internet Archive, and. Um, the archive is sort of almost around, close to a, almost a terabyte now, and I am seeing terabyte drives going down a bit. I would love to distribute the whole thing uh, with the book, a physical print book. You can buy the book. It's a print-on-demand book. Um, I would love to include a little one terabyte flash drive, but the legitimate ones are still really expensive. It seems like the SSDs are a little cheaper. There's there's an SSD, a couple of SSDs out there for about around 50, but still that's pretty hefty. I would hope that a terabyte will go down to be like 5 bucks, you know, like remember remember there used to be like, you know, 128 megabyte flash drives and they just kept going up, going up, going up. Now you can hardly buy one for less than 125 gigabytes, you know what I'm saying? 
So hopefully technology will catch up and I'll be able to easily sort of mass produce uh, the archive here. For now, it's on the Internet Archive and uh, I have it all locally and hopefully start distributing it more. You know what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, you do. It really is the mother load for those into such things. It really is quite the uh, collection of audio works. I really do think that um, the totality of all of the information, the points of view, the perspective, everything in the, this is a completely unique archive on Sug Radio. And uh, check it out. <laughs> Thank you. And now we're going to switch gears a bit and uh, shuffle over into a video arcade of the audio mind. Are there super detectives around every corner? You'll have to wait and see here in The Other Side. Come to Record Town this winter for the best selection of rock, jazz, country, and classical recordings. Mary Adams helps you with your holiday gift-giving in suits, coordinates, and sportswear for the working woman. Then visit McChesney Jewelers for the finest gold and silver jewelry, watches, gems, and pearls. I'm out of here. I am not going back. Jordash Basics. I know where you're going. Does it really matter? Well, it matters to us. What about your cute little brother? I mean, aren't you going to miss him? I bet she'll miss her gorgeous math teacher. I don't care. Lisa, are you sure about this? No. I'm out of here. I am not going back. I know where you're going. Does it really matter? Well, it matters to us. Lisa, are you sure about this? No. Jordash Basics. Did you ever see your parents? Naked? Jordash basics. <laughs> I did, but it wasn't all that bad. Can't even think about mine. It's like they hit a certain age and bam, their skin doesn't fit anymore. My parents have never been really nude. Well, how do you think you got here? I don't know. I always thought I just hatched. <laughs> Tell me you just didn't say that. I hate my mother. She's so much prettier than me. Jordash Basics. Your mother? Have you ever seen her mother? I have. I'm hoping she'll be divorced before I'm out of school. I found an old picture of her from when she was my age. Was she hot? No. <laughs> she was kind of short with freckles and a little bit overweight. Kind of like you? Exactly like me. Your mother is the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. Jordash Basics. Except for you, of course. <laughs> and then there's this one girl in history, yeah, yeah, and this girl in algebra, too. See you. I hate my mother. She's so... I hate this commercial. Jordash Basics. 
I love this commercial. Have you ever seen her mother? I've watched it a thousand oh, yeah. times. I found an old picture of her from when she was my age. Was she hot? No. That's disgusting. She was kind of short. You're not watching this trash in my house. I hate my mother. A fragment from Ebony and Crystal by Clark Ashton Smith. Read for LibriVox.org by Anusha Ayer. Autumn far off in memory that saw the crisping myrtles fade. Aeons gone, my tomb was made beside the moon constrained sea. Ah, wonderful its portals were, with carven doors of chrysolite and walls of sombre cyanite. They wrought mine olden sepulchre. About the griffin guarded plinth, white blossoms crowned the scarlet vine, and burning orchids opaline illumed the palm and terebinth. On friezes of mine ancient fame, the cypress wrought its writhen shade, and through the boughs the ocean made moresques of blue and fretted flame. Poet or prince, I may not know my perished name, nor bring to mind years that are one with dust and wind, nor songless love and tongueless woe. Only the tomb they made for me, with carven doors of chrysolite and walls of sombre cyanite, beside the moon constrained sea. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Sweetheart, 
I should have told myself what you'd do I should not have left it to is an idea I've been thinking about for the past few days as kind of a kind of a basis for kind of like a little audio series maybe on the other side and um, today being Wednesday May 20th 2020 I just want to get my thoughts down about maize and weed because the more I think about it the weirder it's getting um, my, my initial thought was it could just be a, like a little audio series on the other side and a story about a group of uh, young adults that are um, work at this shopping center, and then after work, like in the parking lot, they're like working on making this movie called Maze and Weed. And um, then I thought that it's it, that the group can kind of uh, they have this uh, one guy that one one of the members is more a filmmaker, and he's going to make a a movie of Maze and Weed, maybe on a, on, on a VHS, uh, you know, a camcorder. But another guy's more of a musician, and he's thinking he wants to make a concept album, kind of a prog rock uh, concept album. And he he's so he's also going to make it about Maze and Weed. What they what they came up with uh, is this idea, and I think a third one wants to write a book, and the book also is going to be Maze and Weed. The, uh, what they came up with was this idea that They all were interested. One guy wants to make a movie. One guy wants to write a book. The one guy wants to make a concept album. I mean, what, what should it be about? And I think mm-hmm. they were kind of talking about be, becoming a band in the sense of like a rock band. But instead of them all, uh, they, they all would be producing the same thing but in different in different media. And one of them came up with this idea of maize and weed, which is that this – the story of the movie, of the concept album, of of the maybe a, like a comic book or a, a written novel, would be uh, themselves, right? With the with the idea that 
in your life. So these guys are, it sort of seems like some sort of like 80s or 90s, like shopping mall, shopping center. And then, uh, you know, it, it would definitely be in, in an age before the smartphone. And so like a camcorder would be like what they used. I guess I'm completely inspired by my own experience making movies on a VHS camcorder. Uh, the idea that the world we're living in, right, Everything in the world is uh, a reflection of something in a higher world or a different world. That is things that may seem mundane. So, for example, like a uh, like the dumpster out behind the the shopping center is 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 a representative of something in in another world, right? So, maze and weed as kind of like a maze in the weeds. Like you're you're perceiving this pattern that. That they realize this concept, this one concept, which is that every single thing, you, yourself, and every single thing in your world, the parking lot, the shopping center, the dumpster, and I was thinking even like one one of their houses, like their parents have like – one of their parents have like a a terrarium in their house, right? Um, Whatever it is that – these are things you can focus on and there can be songs about the dumpster or the terrarium or, right, things like that the parking lot and they themselves are the star of the story because they're also as personages as personas they exist in a higher realm at the same time it's just at this point they're uh, unable to perceive their real self so they're the 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 story is that their revelation was that you can you don't need to write fake stories you're living a story right and and the story is about uncovering perhaps the truth about where you are by focusing on the things in your environment. And I they're like they're like no one's ever done this before. No one's ever looked at their own life. And like I think there would be like a van. Maybe one of the guy's older brothers had a van, and then one of them inherits it. So that that van is something that they can write a song about: the van, the dumpster, the terrarium, things like that. And. Um, just a kind of atmosphere. I guess it really is sort of based on my own experience making like the evil farm and stuff. Um, what, what are the notes I have here that I wrote about it? Maze and Weed, mo- two character names like Wozelle and Cash. Uh, after work at Shopping Center, making a movie at night in parking lots, concept album based on the after work crowd. Photo comics, dolls and dioramas. Van Zagtok list. So yeah, that 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 would be the other thing. Like that, I don't know how that would fit in, but the idea of like uh, one of them as a photographer, kind of taking pictures of these little dioramas with dolls and stuff, which actually could be the same thing. Like, uh, but just sort of making little dioramas of themselves, like in the like a diorama of the parking lot, of the dumpster, of the real things in their life, and making little dolls of them and taking pictures of it. And then I mentioned the uh, the Zagtok list, which uh, was for another one of these things. I mean, I think I think Maisenweed here. I mean, I've used the word Maisenweed obviously in the past. Um, one of the ideas of Maisenweed was that it could be like a series of audio pieces, and um, they can really be anything as long as the word Maisenweed is said in at some point during the audio piece. They're all connected by this one random word, this made up word. Uh yeah, the Zagtok list. So, you know, Zagtok Baffled was the name of a episode of the show. And um, 
it it, it was sort of another idea for a fiction. I'm trying to see if I can find it here. Where's my Zag Talk list? Um, but I feel like whenever I try to come up with a story, it always sort of goes back to this, like uh, trying to uncover the true nature of reality. And whereas I might like to just write a story that's not so concerned with those things. But when I try to write stories, that's sort of where it all goes. Let me see. I think I can find it this way. Zag talk and terrariums. Let's see. Okay. No? No. Hmm. Weird. I know I can hold on one second. I can find it here. All right. Well, I, I found it, even though it was a bit hard to find. Uh, the Zagtalk list. I mean, I guess I should. Is it? Let me copy and paste. Hold on. Let me let me pause here. Hmm. Okay. All right. So it's uh, the list is shopping malls, holograms, theme parks, UFOs, and then there's all sorts of weird. I must have been typing in my pocket. Yoi Seven Hippergy. That makes no sense. Anyway, ESP, trading cards, breakfast cereal, aquariums, pyramids, terrariums, rock bands, synthesizers, arcade games, dungeon games, psychedelic drugs, cults, health food, show vans, late night radio, diner city nights, public access TV, game inventors, magazines, ruling, old movies, conspiracy theories, catalogs, comic books, puzzles, and stand-up comedy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Diner City Nights was a kind of a um, an early frivol I came up with. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, what was it? The idea of uh, it was going to be like a weird like radio show in the in the nineteen seventies, and they were interviewing this guy that made up this new board game called Diner City Nights, which is like a new kind of chess, but a, a a game where like there's a game board with this city and you start off at this diner and you have to do these different activities. That was a real early one. And then Ruing is super obscure. It was this uh idea of taking those wind up uh those balsa those little balsa wood airplanes with that wind up on um with a rubber band you wind up the propeller. Right? And then they put razor blades on the front of them and they were supposed to fight in the air. It was a whole thing. I, I found a couple articles about it online. There was a, supposed to be a, a newsletter called the Rue Review. Sounds very dangerous. What if it flies into someone and, chop, and, and, and chops at them with a razor blade? And what are the chances that two, two of them would actually uh, touch each other as if they're flying like that? It's a good question. <laughs> Is it even a good question? I don't know. But so I don't know. Is, is Maze and Weed like another like crash and burn kind of thing? I thought it would be a cool idea. I was thinking of using the names of, right, um, Barnabas Tigro, Rink South, uh, Charleston Bands, um, Junkard Saint, some of those names I've used in various of my concepts. But I don't know. I like the idea of it, just sort of the, like just being in parking lots and hanging out and nighttime and trying to make a movie but the movie is about yourself and you're making little dolls of yourself and stuff and writing an album about it i don't know maybe this is better just as a frivol i don't know
that was Undulator featuring Kim Rogers with a track called Am I Only Dreaming? Darren Johnson's Drive Time. Mash the mobile, lob the laptop, don't get caught in the city slick. See the world with Rough Guides. From Amsterdam to Zimbabwe, with a Rough Guide in your hand, you're guaranteed a smooth trip. Rough Guides, travel guides for the modern independent traveller. There's a bullet in the gun. There's a fire in your heart. Planet Perfecto, bullet in the gun. Available now. Log on, chill out and surf the net with Excite, sponsors of the underground weather. This is Jane Travis here with your hourly weather update. We're enjoying a nice lot of sunshine here in the capital today. The top temperature is going to be 22 degrees with medium air quality. This warm spell is likely to continue early into next week. I'll have more updates later. Experience the premier sports restaurant and entertainment venue. The Sports Cafe with state-of-the-art audio-visual, 120 TV screens, games, bars and a great restaurant. The Sports Cafe where the games never end. www.thesportscafe.com Just got time for a few shouts now, starting with Jason and all the boys at Super Autos in Hackney, Trisha, Sam and Lisa in Tottenham and all of the Ealing Posse. OK, now I've got a bit of drum and bass for you. This was voted number four on Top Tunes last week. It's New Dawn's Heartland. Make Friday night a night to remember. Watch the Monster Rally movie on Channel 44. This week, the notorious Dr. Mabu steals a death ray invention that enables him to rule the world. Peter Vanek stars in The Death Ray of Dr. Mabuse, Friday night at 10.30 on the Monster Rally movie on Channel 44.
Jonathan Switcher. Wrong sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing I've created that made me feel like an artist. Don't you like your new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear him talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who can see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet. And she's a dummy. Ah! You are one sick puppy. But together. They don't do that. You weren't so shy when you were creating me. You weren't so real. They make magic. Uh, look at him with the dummy. Who are you to criticize? And that new stock boy, and I just want you to keep an eye on him for me. I think I'm going to handle things my own way. All the girl mannequins disappeared from the windows last night. Film at 11. Yes, my dear, your favorite. She is gone too. Get him! You're magic. He's talking to the dummy again. Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall. You know I would never bother you when you're getting a piece of wood. Mannequin.
This is the world of the future. One step beyond your wildest imagination and your strangest dreams, where science has gone berserk with grotesque experiments in the ungodly art of flesh fusion. She's being prepared. Soon she will be ready for the great moment when she and I will become one person and my flesh will absorb hers. The fusion of male and female. Living humans drained of imperfections and grafted together to form a new and terrifying race the incredible bi-sapien race of the wild, wild planet. Where the slightest error becomes the mutilated refuse of mankind. Where success is a super being. A man-made race of automatons programmed to overpower man himself. These are the invaders from the wild, wild planet. Female form destructive units of invincible strength. And the awesome ability to disappear into thin air. Only a handful of men stand in the way of these mass-produced monsters. Fighting desperately to uncover the diabolic mystery of their creation. Locked in the malignant mind of one man. Mine! Master of the Wild, Wild Planet. Excitement blows you into a world of madness. Danger engulfs you in a flood of cold fear. And terror catapults you through a galaxy of horrors. This is the Wild, Wild Planet. Hates penguins. All penguins must die. He keeps them in the freezing cold and will not let them fly. Now, if you've got a poodle and dress them up in black and white, God thinks that's just the coolest thing, y'all. He thinks they're out of sight. God hates penguins so much They're not mentioned in the Bible They've got nothing against him They should sue him for libel Penguins aren't much good at conversation 
or differential calculus. But they're smart enough to know when they're being persecuted by God and the rest of us. Now if you got a black and white chicken, God thinks that's really nice. You can fry it, you can bake it, you can boil it in a pot and serve it up with yellow rice. If you are a truly good person, you'll ignore the Lord above and treat a penguin as a friend. All penguins need love. Penguins love. Penguins love. Penguins is NBC.
Let's play secret book. Pre-recorded in the studios of the Maryland Center for Public Broadcasting. Children's Bargain Town for Huffy Boys or Girls 20-inch Dragster. Bargain Town's low everyday price, $28.87. Toys are us. Bargain Town, Bargain Town, Bargain Town. I'm Woodsy Owl. Please give a hoot about campgrounds, because if you don't give a hoot, who will? <laughs>